Hello there, and welcome to Pivotal Film. I am Tom Nolan. I'm Mario Ponzio. And I'm Andy Barry. And we are back to talk about a whole bunch of movies. We are doing a, we are doing a lot of work today because we've been doing a lot of work over the couple of weeks that we haven't been a month podcasting. Has it been a month? It's been four weeks. Time yeah. has no meaning to me anymore. Um, but we we just did a bonus episode, a separate episode, episode. Yeah. of uh, some horror stuff. I don't know if we have like a preamble. Do you have anything you want to talk about before no, we get started we on this? Did all the preamble last week with the because I figure it's going to be released one week apart, right? Eh, I can make. Could it makes sense. Sure, that way we get a regular schedule going. I guess. Film yeah, for two that's weeks, true. So. That's true. Um, yeah. So last week we did all of our talk about you know the game awards and and stuff. Uh, there's really nothing else to say because um, oh, nothing no. else has happened. The strike is over. Well, yeah. The strike ended the day we uh, decided when we were going to record. I so. just my beer just kind of exploded there, which is well. not super fun. I'm gonna I'm gonna carefully draw this over to me. Look at that! It's a crushable IPA, <laughs> and the crushable IPA has exploded on the. Uh, it's the table. got shooketh somehow. Um, so we have now, a the only other movie that we that we would have saw that, that we didn't talk about was Strays. Andy likes it. I was thought it was fine. It's a good, fun, drunk movie. I don't recommend it. Past it's that. fine. <laughs> it's so it as a it sticks its landing with its sentimentality. It's not the funniest movie. Do they turn into the humans at the end? No, no. It's not like Jumanji three. No, but Jamie Fox gets adopted by a Girl Scout. The, the actual Jamie Fox, not. Yeah, not the not not a dog. That's how they clone Tyrone ends. <laughs> Spoiler, really weird, what a weird thing. Um, but we have a trio of speaking of they clone Tyrone. We're, although we're not going to start with that, we have a trio of Netflix movies. Netflix it, now it's, is it's our it's our uh, Tom and I's months where we get Netflix for two months and, and then, then immediately get rid of it and we catch up with everything that's come out on Netflix. Yeah, in the year, Whew. man. Uh, and there's a lot, and there's a lot of shit, but there's also there's some good stuff. There's yeah, some yeah, good stuff there, if you know. Spider Verse, that was I was excited. But that wasn't like released on Netflix. No, it's but just it's, on there now. No, I'm just saying they actually have like a good selection of real oh, movies. Oh yeah, for it. sure. But They've like been buying a lot of the stuff, stuff that Netflix is like putting out is still they like it. Coyote versus Acme. Oh my god, I hope that, I want that to get released so bad. It's gonna, get, it's gonna go on Prime. They're I shopping. So. You heard that right? They're no, shopping. I, I didn't. Yeah. So Warner Brothers had canceled it. Because they're going to try to get the tax credit, but they've rescinded that now oh, good. and are now shopping it. So Why won't Amazon they do that? Prime is expected I, I think, to be the one they to got, buy it. James Gunn got pissed, so they changed their mind. Why won't they do that with Batgirl? Just because? I heard that one just. Uh, Batgirl's supposed to be bad. But if I was like, uh, maybe that's why they're not doing it. Well, I, think I, they, it I think it's like they're getting like they got like seventy million off that tax credit. Mm-hmm. They were only going to get thirty million. I think now they realize, oh, this movie's probably going to make and it going to be a really decent. Well, so. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. Weird. Um, Good, go, John Cena probably threatened to give them attitude adjustments. Yeah, you know who needs an attitude adjustment is Diana Nyad, <laughs> and she is the, <laughs> she is the focal point of our of our first film we're going to talk about here, uh, which is named simply Nyad. Everybody's got a Get her out! Diana! Diana! You gotta breathe, Diana. Breathe now. Four tries and four failures. You really don't get it, do you? You don't even think of me. Of course I think about you. I watched you die. But this isn't about you, okay? This is about me for once. 
Imagine knowing you could do something that no one else could do. I think we have a window. Diana Nyad is back. You got it. I know the world wants me to shut my mouth and sit down and wait to die, but I can't. You are a force. Diana, you got this! There's no one more Nyad than you. Uh, Diana Nyad was a world-class swimmer. I guess she probably still is a world-class swimmer. And then she um, took a break for 30 years because just like any kind of athletics, you do it for a while and then your body is just kind of like, hey, I don't want to do that anymore. And she became a sports broadcaster and she was, um, you know, a, a an ambassador for, for swimming and for uh, American sport um, and, uh, you know, early LGBTQ stuff. And then in her 60s, she decided she wanted to try to do this thing that she was never able to do, which is swim from Cuba to Florida um, all in one sitting. And uh, spoiler alert, she did it. And well, <laughs> well let's, let's get no, let's, let's she not spoil also, all Diana of it. Diana Nyad was the great, great granddaughter of the inventor. Of Mrs. Winslow's soothing syrup, which is a popular morphine-based drink for children teething. Oh, hmm. <laughs> yeah, children should definitely have a lot of morphine. Yeah. It's really important for their growth. <laughs> um, this movie is directed by Academy Award winners Jimmy Chin and Elizabeth Chai Vassarelli. Uh They won for Free Solo. Yeah, a top ten movie of the year. Absolutely. Um, so they know what they're doing with sports stuff. The Rescue was not a bad movie. It was just pretty pretty basic yeah, documentary. Pretty, but by the numbers. Um, this movie is shot by Claudio Miranda, who has an Oscar for Life of Pi and has done a has had a pretty weird career. Claudio. What did I say? He said Claudia. Claudio. Yeah, like the wrestler. Claudius Miranda. It has a, a soundtrack by Alexandre Desplat, which I didn't realize when I was listening to it. Um this movie's fine. I mean, I, I, I am not. I, the script is absolutely terrible. Maybe, maybe Diana and I had only screamed in horrible sports cliches <laughs> all the time. Well, she was a sports broadcaster. So that's how they kind of talked. But that's so how she I, talked to everybody. Um, Jodie Foster <laughs> kind of rules in this. Jodie Foster is great. In this. Uh, yeah, and I, Reese, uh, Risa fans is great in this, doing an impression of something. But he totally sells it. I think, I yeah, think it's a mediocre good, film. Um, it's a, it's it's a paint-by-numbers sports It's a paint-by-numbers sports movie that's directed uh, pretty by, by two people who are really trying with their like first narrative. Who are They want to do something they, they're, big they're here. Filmmak- they're already filmmakers, but yeah. they're really like, gunning for like the art there. Um, because like this is their first chance to like do yeah. something creative. Yeah. Um, but it's carried by I think three really strong performances. I yeah. I like I think Jodie Foster's the, the standout. By but far. Annette Benning is is also She's really good. Just the I character just think... is just a fucking jerk. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but 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 Jodie Foster's character calls her out the whole time. So like, you know, whatever. She does. It's just one of those things when you're watching you're just like I you know, I know 30 years of friendship is like the reason that you keep going back to this and like everybody keeps going back to this even though you keep saying that you're poor and you're not making any money and you're giving like all this time and like but she's 
mean to everybody. And there's these weird parts of the movie where she like gets really emotional and they kind of land um, oddly, like when she's talking to the guy from Pizza Hut and she's just like, oh, I think Pizza Hut would want to be like, you know, have be representative of like this thing. And, yeah. and they say something and she's like, well, we have a different opinion. And then she starts crying and then they just cut to a totally different scene. It's like, ah. You're just not. They're not bringing the like the the emotional and the narrative arc together here. They're trying yeah, well, to kind I of think, have their cake and eat it too. A I little bit. I think the bit. movie suffers from that quite a bit. Like like mm-hmm. the, the movie suffers from the inability to kind of like make through lines and con- emotional connections between the various facets of the story. Mm-hmm. Like the her childhood drama doesn't pay off oh, well. Life. Backs, yeah. doesn't pay off well at all into the drive of what she's trying to do. I, I like it's, agree. It's, it's two separate movies. Yeah. I mean, it's her story, and and obviously there's, there's, there is a way to successfully marry those two. Mm-hmm. Um, but the level that, you know, 64-year-old Diana Nyad has to win and succeed at this journey uh, is not does not feel connected to what the trauma she went through when she was younger. It, it feels as though, you, you know, that there, there doesn't at all seem to be any connection between like her drive or how she is as a person, you know, in the modern the 2013 mm-hmm. um, compared to like what happened to her as a child. It just is like, it's, it's something that, you know, is there um, and it's meant to kind of like explain that, but narratively, uh, you know, from a scripting standpoint, it doesn't. It, it was clunky. Work. Yeah, it's extremely clunky, and it feels like two separate beings. Mm. Um, it's paced poorly in that too, where kind of like the, the flashbacks happen at and kind so, of times they're that a little don't... too long too. And then, yeah. yeah, yeah, they're too long, and they don't happen <laughs> at times to respond to something that's happening in the present day. Well, the, that idea of response is, I think, really significant because oftentimes she is so in a movie that's like this heavily reliant on flashbacks to tell um, or to give us a glimpse into uh, the creation of a, a specific character's like emotional. Um, like reaction to the world and the reason that they do a thing is because of this. She's actually not like responding on film to any of those things. They are just showing them to us while she is doing something else. So you don't see her have like a moment of, which I found really odd. You don't see her have a moment of kind of like realization or of um, epiphany or of like, digging deep to fight back against anything. It's just like she's swimming. Here's a flashback of, of childhood trauma. And then she's, and then she's, but she's still swimming. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's odd to have those kind of just like dropped in here or there for no reason. They, what they tried to do is whenever she was struggling swimming, she would flash back to those. And then that'd be like, why she can't, why she fails or something like, which is what they tried to do. And then when she think about something, positive then that's when she was going strong but it just didn't but also like she's not me. she's failing for different reasons like she's yeah. stung by jelly exactly that's got nothing to do with yeah. any of the trauma or anything like that so it was yeah. just weird that they chose they're, to like they're, they're, she's they're, struggling they're, 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 so here's this and it's like is she gonna like struggle out of that no she's gonna almost drown she's gonna get like, stung by jellyfish in her face <laughs> Yeah, and, they're, and, they're and like can this... complain when the mask doesn't fit nicely. Some of the just the, the weird moments too, when she's hallucinating off of 
exhaustion yeah just don't feel yeah. right like i don't need to see the yellow brick road Taj Mahal thing she can say it i don't need to see it because it yeah. just doesn't do anything it just it, 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 ex- it exists for no reason I will give it credit for because I was just gonna say like they can cut there's a whole bunch of this stuff they can cut out and they could really like trim this movie even though it felt a little long because it was so repetitive, but I did feel like it had like swimming is just not exciting to watch, no. um, so it did it seemed to drag. Um, I do give them credit for um, like telling this like very specific story they didn't try to do like a lot i mean she had a really interesting life and she was a very Mm -hmm. accomplished swimmer i'm glad they didn't try to do like this is her like a a 15 minutes or 20 minutes at the beginning of her winning an olympic medal or something like that they didn't try to do any of that they were just like let's do this but unless you followed the story closely which i did not when it was happening i didn't know she tried to do this five times and so like watching her go out and do it five times was just like oh all yeah. right, just do it or fucking don't do it. Like, it's enough. I, I literally, when the third attempt happened, I went, I'm like, I, I got to look it up. How many attempts is it going to take? <laughs> just so I'm, I can brace myself for this. We're like, yeah, how many? Yeah, it was, it was just. And again, it, it's, they this, even it's the story. Her, her two appearances on Dancing with the Stars that happened after her swim. Uh, I, oh, they did that's, that at the, in the credits. That's for the sequel. It. They showed it in the credits. Well, she, she got eliminated yeah. second, so. in second. Oh, she yeah. did? She's not, not, a good, not, not a good quite dancer. a good dancer. So all the scenes with Jodie Foster and Reese Ethens, I thought that was a really, really strong. Mm-hmm. Um, I teared up in some of those. Like they're, Those are super powerful. Um, I did a, not this get, is a sports movie guy over here. I, I do. I, I'm a sucker for a sports movie, even Paint by Numbers one. So. This is a coach movie. It's yeah. a coach movie. She's right there the Frank whole time. Wilson. What? <laughs> Joe Beth Williams, um, Jerry Van Dyke. Love Jerry Van Dyke. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever the guy that played Moose's name was. Yeah. Um, yeah. Poor guy. Marshall's yeah, dad. Yeah, I am. Um, I agree with you. Those those scenes were really good. Jodie Foster is uh, my supporting actress list is is like the one list that I have that's really long. Um, really but she's excellent in this. Um, and I'm I, I, like she was really good in the Mauritanian too. Uh, remember that movie from a couple of years ago? Was that the one where she was the lawyer that was trying to get that guy out of Guantanamo Bay? Oh yeah, yeah. I did not see that. With Shailene Woodley, um, she was really she was really good as in a, in a supporting role. Like she is she is like a kind of uh, supporting anchor, which is I think a, is a thing that doesn't get talked about a lot like in films where she's a supporting character, but she's in reality like keeping the whole movie together. Um, yeah, and I, I don't think I don't think that's the the case here, because um, I do think like Reeves of in and you know Annette Benning are doing a, a decent amount of lifting They're, for their do, own they, roles. They are, but she's she's def, Jodie Foster's character is definitely that emotional connection between everybody. See, I don't even think she's works. an emotional connection. She is she's like an emotional like beacon almost. Because if they don't have a Risa finds is is is. He's doing his, like what what he's doing. Di- they've paint they've created Diana and I had to have like no emotions at all except for just like swim good um, and just always be swimming. So they needed to have somebody like um, an avatar for her, like how she could actually be feeling about yeah. anything. And so she's so, Jodie Foster is kind of almost speaking for them both she's about like translating her emotions exactly yeah. into real human emotions. Um, and I thought that was very necessary because this movie would be unwatchable really if, if, if it was just like 
Risa Fon's just being like, oh, come on. Like, this is this, the, the wind is not right here. And for um, Diane and I to just be screaming at like, him. Shut up. Yeah. What is, what is happening over here? Um, I'm, look, I'm moving on to the next movie, and then I found out something and I got excited. What? That, 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 there's another movie we're going to talk about after Nyad? Well, the next movie that we're talking after Nyad. I was already setting it up, and then I found out something else, and I was like, oh, What did you find excited. out? Oh, I didn't I'm realize sure that. I'm sure we'll get to it on the next yeah. movie. Are we ready to move on? Which is? Uh, on the next film we're going to talk about. Was it an earlier release? This came out? July. July? Yeah. Uh, it is They Cloned Tyrone. Everything okay in there, baby? I'm just an average man with an average life. Where the money at? I'm an entrepreneur. I work in the spirit of the pimp game. You know, your girl gotta know what's going on in these streets. That's the car right there. Slick, come on. That make your spider senses tingle. What kind of shit is this? Like I'm in the twilight zone now. Don't let the back door hit you. Uh, we gotta, we gotta go. I don't know what that was, but that wasn't me. Somebody is conducting experiments on us. You keep your pimp hand raised and be willing to protect the ones you love by any means necessary. I'm a dope boy, remember? Excuse me, kind sir, but if you could pour me to the elevator that leads down to the freaky laboratory, I'll be out your atmosphere. Let's get it, man. We're on the scene trying to figure out what has happened. I see this shit fucked up. They out here cloning this. What the fuck going on in this bitch? That's right. That is the prevailing theory. Tell me, is it just a dream? They Clone Tyrone is our next movie. It is a movie on Netflix that released in July. July. Um, and my friends are just getting to it now because they did not have Netflix. Um, it is a science fiction, comedy, mystery, black exploitation. It's a lot of things. Um, but it starts in The Glen with Fontaine, played by John Boyega. Um, he is a drug dealer in a suburban neighborhood. Um, he stays, he lives with his mother. Um, he goes around and he's collecting his money. Um, he meets up with Jamie Foxx's character named Slick, Slick Charles, Charles um, who is a pimp. And he has a couple of um, 
sex workers. Um, uh, Yo-Yo, played by Tayona Paris, who is awesome. Um, and this movie is... Um, huh. Do I go into it? It's hard to go into no, all I, of this. I mean, I, I, so, so, so it, it's, it opens, it's, a, it's a decently wild ride. There's an, there's an early scene where um, Fontaine, played by John Boyega, gets um, killed in his car by a rival uh, gang member. Another drug dealer. A drug dealer, I, um, I think. And then, yeah, um, and then he wakes up the next day, and he's alive. And we don't know why. And everyone else that sees him is confused because they all saw him die. Even Isaac. Isaac's like, wait a minute. What is happening here? So <laughs> when, they, when they burst in on him, when they're in the hair salon, and they all have, like, barber smocks on. Well, like, Not just Isaac, show, but all of them. To, Isaac tries to show the gun, but, like, doesn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Taylor Paris is like, what? And then he's like, <laughs> moves it again to show the gun. So then our three leads, um, Fontaine, Yo-Yo, and Slick Charles, go try to figure out what's going on. They find out that there is an underground lab that is experimenting on the people of the town. Not turning people into horses. <laughs> We're going to talk about that. <laughs> and um, much fun ensues. If we wanted, I don't know. I don't want to go into the whole movie. Yeah, um, we'll, we'll, we'll get into the whole movie as we talk about it. Yeah, because uh, it's a very complex, involved plot. It's, but not. It's impossible not to watch this movie and directly compare it to Sorry to Bother You. Yep. Um, which, speaking of which, the well, I got excited. I didn't realize Boots Riley released a TV show this year. Yeah, I watched it. I'm a Virgo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On, I didn't see it. It's on Amazon. Is yeah. it good? Yeah. It has a 95%. So I love Sorry to Bother You. I'm going to watch that. Um, and I, I, I enjoyed they, Cl- they Clone Tyrone. I think it has three solid performances. John Boyega... Who I, to this point, did not think was a very solid actor. I thought he was passable and fine. Does does some well? He was really good, good in Red, White, and Blue. He was yeah, good no, in, he in is. The, he, in the he small is. act stuff. Um, I just thought he was one of those actors that needed to get heavily directed for a good performance. Speaking I, of which, are we going to do Occupied City? We should. It's four hours. I don't. You, no, I don't care. Either. I don't give a shit. Um. Steve McQueen, I'll do anything for fucking Steve McQueen. And, and it's a it's a fun it's a fun this is a fun script. It is the it's impossible to watch this and just go like, nah, this is I'd rather just be watching Sorry to Bother You. Uh yeah, I really like this movie. I thought it was a lot of fun. I also watched it in July because it had like of you know, the the pedigree and it was just on and we only had like a couple of minutes of Netflix left before they cracked down on the password sharing and my mother in law's Netflix account didn't work anymore. Um, I thought this is super funny. I think Jamie Foxx, when used properly, is fucking excellent. He's brilliant. Um, yeah, he's he's on he's my he's great. He's on this. my long list right now. Yeah, with this. Um, I every line he delivers is like perfect. I think Tiona Paris is trying really hard to kind of establish herself. I think she's really good in this. I think she's really good too. But I think when you have John Boyega's doing one thing, he's Multiple like really things really. Though. No, but he's like yeah. really serious, and he's like. Yeah. You know, um, he's trying to be really tough. And then you have J.B. Fox on the other side, like, landing all these jokes. And she's trying to find her space, like, in the middle of, of well, all of this stuff. She's got to be somewhat of a straight man. Like, her and Boyega are, like, kind of like the straight men that are kind of like... But Boyega gets to, you know, act. But she's kind of got to be your audience in in line, right? Yeah. But she, she also has to match... us. She's but she has to match yeah. the level of the, absurdity the that's, going that's going on. That's going on, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, but there's a there's a little more um, in this film as compared to Sorry to Bother You. There's more. They use. I mean, th- they use black culture as kind of like a crutch a little bit. Uh, I don't, like I don't think that. I just like they just talk about her being a hoe like all the time, and like it's just like the punctuation for everything. Like yous are just hoes. It's like I, I get it. Like there's be- there's got to be other jokes in here. I that's all I wanted is that, like there's got to be other things to joke about besides like calling someone a hoe or calling someone a pimp. Or calling someone yeah, like there's, something, there's, you know a, what I mean? There's there's, a, there's, there's a, a somewhat there's there's a lack of of subtlety and nuance. In yes, this film. thank you. Um, I'm that, getting there. I, by the end of this podcast, I'll be back to like fighting shape again. Well, I think I think we're gonna fight on the last one. Uh, there's a lack of subtlety and nuance in this movie that I think, uh, you know, we got that one-two punch in two different year, two different years or the same year of Last Black Man in San Francisco. Yes, and sorry to bother you. Yes, of two films that are very nuanced and very and I. To this film's credit, it's not that. Like it's, it's never, not trying to be. It never trying intends to be, to be right. That. Which so I think this is an incredibly well made movie. Yep. Solid script, solid performances. Not for me. It's it's a not for me thing because I want that nuance. I either want that nuance from Last Black Band in San Francisco. Yep. That style, or I want that kind of like growing absurdity mm-hmm. with the huge twist at the the absolute. Falling off the cliff, Monty Python style absurdity that is sorry to bother you. Yep. Uh, this world, this is instead a film that you know throws you into a very absurd world that stays absurd, but it just kind of like it, it's. It's also it's not just, that absurd. That, yeah, it's, it's like white guys and afros it's, is like it's like funny, but it's also not that interesting. Or, or like you know the drugged fried chicken and grape soda. Um, like it's not that absurd, but it always it always remains kind of it never kind of like fluctuates or, or jumps mm-hmm. or up or it kind of stays in this um, elevated universe right yeah 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 and and i think it does that extremely well okay i love but this it, movie so i i'm oh like, no i don't no, understand yeah this is one of my favorite movies of the year like i i adore this movie the performances i this this is walking a very tight wire in its vibes yeah um because it's it is a bit crazy it's also like kind of, I don't know when it's taking place. So I kind of like it's kind of like its own world because there's like absolutely flip yeah. phones. It feels like it's the seventies. Feels like it's the nineties. Feels like it's modern. Yep. Um, I really like the visuals of it. Like, I it's it digital, but I like the kind of the seventies film stockiness that they were doing with it. Um, this movie could have been terrible if it oh not yeah in the right hands. And I think it is fairly complex, but it's, it's got simple jokes. And I, I don't know. I, I felt like it kind of nailed the like. I'm I'm not black, but I feel like it nailed that culture. Um, Judas. <laughs> <laughs> um, Which part? <laughs> um, just and Jamie Fox it just freaking nailed this thing. Oh, he's so good. Oh, and I don't know how much of he's improving here. I'm guessing a lot, and it's so, so funny. Um, I don't know. I, I think I think a lot of that is script. I I feel as though this is needs to have. I feel some of the jokes probably are, are loose. There's but a I lot feel... of jo- there's a lot of jokes in the background that I missed on my first yeah. viewing. Um, no, and there's a lot of like extra stuff that I just didn't see in the beginning and stuff that they forecast, but you weren't looking for it the first time you saw it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and, and when I saw it again, I'm like, oh, that's clever. Yeah, there's, there's some really cool things that are going on here. Don't be misunderstood. I'm not saying this is a bad movie. I'm saying this is a good movie, a, a solid film that's setting out to do what it's intending to do. It's just not what I want from a movie. There's, I like, might. Th- when I, I will often go like, I don't like this movie. It's a good movie. I don't, and I don't dislike this. It's just, I can't watch that. I can't not watch this and go like, I am more in the the audience of a sorry to bother you. Like, so, like sorry when, to bother you exists and is is hitting these things harder for like me. boots. Yeah. yeah, I, I mean, but they're th- two different movies. If obviously. I wanted to, I would cut together. I think this year, a like a. You know, if we really wanted to do an episode, just remember how we would sometimes like miss a week and we would cut together like, like the two Miyazaki like things or whatever. I would do. You've seen Sorry to bother you, though, right? Yeah. yeah. I would do a tightrope to use your term, a tightrope movie podcast where we talk about the movies that for one of Man us on didn't. Yeah, Man on Wire. We would, that would be like the <laughs> the end of it was like a new thing of that. Um, no, we would do Man on Wire and then that Joseph Gordon Levitt. Like yeah, I've tried biopic. to do that movie. We've never saw um, it. Yeah. Zemeckis, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. May, is it Zemeckis? It's Zemeckis, yeah. Um, so. so he turns into like a cartoon or something in the middle of it, or like a puppet? It was, it was a fine. Who knows? It was fine. Um, the movie's, movie's okay. The tightrope, the tightwire movie is a really interesting thing because I think this movie, the, again, we've had this conversation a bunch of times already this year. This movie is a three-star movie for me if we're doing four stars it's a three and a half star movie. We're doing five stars. It's immensely entertaining. It's not hitting as hard as I wanted to, but like it's so watchable. But it's just like Bottoms for me. And it's just like Blackberry. The Walk is that movie. Oh, is it called The Walk? God. Um, where it's it's it wants to be see. It's like serious and satirical simultaneously and sometimes it works sometimes like from a scene to scene basis sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't and it's a really tough fucking thing to nail and I think like sorry to bother you I think nails it more than this although like so I think the Kiefer Sutherland appearance in this movie I think does he, not hit as hard as he, like he, Army he, Hammer's like appearance in Kiefer Sutherland sorry is to the worst you. part of this movie um, and that's fine. Like it just—he doesn't fit. I don't know if you got the same script or whatever. I do um, Krav Maga on Tuesdays and Thursdays. <laughs> I don't know what he was doing, but well, he, he was trying to play that guy in this movie, like the like the the villainous white guy that like you didn't see coming, like Kiefer Sutherland. You're yeah, but the shock- bad guy. he's here shock- too. Shockingly, Army Hammer is better at playing a villain. Oh. <laughs> he sure is, buddy. And Forrest Whitaker is better at voicing a pained horse that just wants to die. Um, yeah, I, I, I did. But again, you just said it. Like, I, I love Bottoms and and Blackberry, obviously. So maybe I just like Tightwire. And I like those. Well. And that's the thing. This is why it's a really interesting year for movies. I think it's maybe not like a, the best mo- movie year all time, but it's really interesting because there One are video game years. A whole bunch of people. Yeah, it's been a really interesting video game year. And maybe it's just because I have the access to more video games, but, like, it's been, um, yeah. We, we talked about that a little bit, yeah. but, yeah, there's more there, there's there's more fruit on that vine for us to pick later. Um, yeah, I just think it's when you're walking this, when you're walking that tight wire, like, it's, 
you're you're it's just you have there's no margin for error really so and not to say that there's any errors it's just that like when things like miss or, or hit it's um i don't know it, it it happens more like so so on a tight wire movie like you said like the chicken when like oh they put it in the chicken i was like that's not super interesting like that you just put it in the yeah, chicken yeah I, I thought it's a funny like, and it makes sketch. you laugh it's a funny sketch whatnot but like the best parts of this movie for me are when um, old Fontaine is talking about washing his brother's body to like the new Fontaine. He's like, I like saved you of that memory. Yeah. Like those m- moments where like this movie kind of that digs. That fucking doing some work with no. all the different characters he's playing. In yeah. No, he, he is for sure. Um, but those moments where like the movie digs down into like the point and the seriousness is but it, when it's at its most. But it also digs in at that moment. It digs into the character. Yeah. And then, and so when it's when it's not working, and I'm putting that in air quotes because I think it's the movie is always working. When it's not working as in high level, it's it's um, focusing too much on the satire or the pastiche or the kind of um, adherence to kind of like '70s black exploitation films mm-hmm. type stuff. And that's the stuff that's not like I get it. I really get it. Like I get that you're doing that. You can just kind of like you can move away from that stuff now and focus on. And focus on the other stuff. Build the drama. Build the characters. Um, really hit the emotional parts of this movie instead of trying to like still kind of go back into the the um, like I said the the homage of the pastiche. Yeah, I, I kind of I kind of like the one thing I did want for this movie is like when that kind of final assault happens. I I did want like an inverse sorry to bother you we're like it's been an absurd kind of movie the entire time mm. in the sense of its first humor and then we rip that away for like that final moment but still kind of like that entire old fontaine fontaine part is interspliced with kind of like this weird jokey interaction with slick mm-hmm. uh, yo-yo and nixon and i like having those two things kind of like intercutting with one another wasn't what i wanted i wanted to just kind of like Stay. I want uh, like that to happen. I could see the Nixon stuff and then stay with I old Fontaine. Not, Fontaine. Not, not, I intercutting them. Yeah, it wasn't the best. I would have done one and then the other. Yeah, um, but it didn't kill it's, it for it, me. No, it doesn't kill it. It it's, doesn't it's, kill it. It's it's, it's, it's it's like my really slight. Because as I said, I think this mo- is a really well done film. It's a movie that I felt could have kicked a solid my, feature debut. Yeah, it's a movie um, that I felt could have kicked my ass if like some of those other scenes hadn't like seemed to shy away from. Like making a real and, emotional impact, and for a feature, like you know, once again comparing it to Boots Riley, like sorry to bother you, but for like a feature debut, like it's 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 still a big swing, and it nails most of it. It's just a double instead of a home. Run. I had a great. I think I think something, a great I think, time. I think something like Sorry to Bother You is a home run. This is a double for me. Does that make sense? Or like you? A, is that? I think they're about the same for me. So mm. that. I, but I love both, so it's like I'm not denigrating one or the other. Right? Now here's alternate universe. Yes. The original person cast in John Boyega's role mm-hmm. was Brian Tyree Henry. Oh. I think it's worse. Yeah, it's worse. Winston Duke better. But Winston Duke's too old and commanding looking. I just, I just, but, but I, just want, I just want Winston Duke to like get that role that makes him like he had it already. Guy. So the first time I watched this movie, it's called Nine Days. I, I didn't <laughs> did not. I'm sorry. I didn't. That movie like he's my hours. guy. I, I didn't understand John Boyega's performance, but then when I rewatched it um, yesterday, 
like I there's a lot more nuance to it that I that I didn't pick up on at first, and it's mm. actually really kind of impressive what he was doing. Because it, it's just like a role he's never really done before. I've liked him in stuff in the past. You you don't like him. Which, I don't dislike fine, him. I think he's a bit actory. Like he, he like it, it, he's it, definitely making I, he's making swings a lot. I prefer like, that. I, I usually like my John Boyega in a lighter sense because I think he is fun, like Attack the Block and stuff. Like, that, like but, Attack the Block. Um, but I thought he did a really good job. Have you movie. seen him in Small Axe? Have you seen Small no, Axe? Give it a. But I think that's he, where I think you'll like Small Axe. And he's so good in Red, White, and Blue that you almost kind of the thing that we were talking about earlier is that I, I almost thought he was like a system actor. Where if you give him if you give him Steve McQueen. And you have the perfect script and the perfect, um, and a perfect circle playing in the background. Yeah, I was listening to Tool earlier today. Uh, and you give him a perfect aesthetic and you give him a perfect idea. He literally nails it. Like he fucking nailed Red, White, and Blue. Nailed every fucking aspect of it. Um, but I, you've also seen him kind of like, if he has to make choices, he sometimes makes a big choice instead of the like the right choice and i thought what was so impressive about him in this movie is that he often i actually thought he carried a lot of subtext in his character yeah that i think the movie was not prepared to develop or or, or delve into but that was i think was present in the way he carried himself and the way that he interacted with the world around him i don't know it felt this feel it feels like taylor tightly directed this film feels tightly directed like it, it feels like it, it does. has a lot of control, but it definitely doesn't want to. It doesn't want to look at the the shit he's carrying around with him, like at the very beginning of the movie. You know what I mean? Because yeah, he's right. obviously he's been, and it's not just about Isaac, and it's not just about dealing drugs and getting money from pimps and stuff like that. There's something else there. Well, and they kind of dig absolutely. into it a little bit at the end of the movie, but like at the in the beginning of the movie, they don't give him they don't give him space to kind of like just kind of be in the world yeah, like he's got to well, move another, from here to there I mean, to there I mean, to there another, to there i have a feeling there's a lot cut out of this um, maybe because it's still a long movie as it is i think it's almost it's a little it's just under two hours, hours. Yeah. Um, but there's i feel like there was more to it that it did feel like there was some cut out which i'm glad because i didn't want this to be two and a half hours yeah long, well I, the thing i do also appreciate is like some of the moments that impact me the most like in addition to the old fontaine the fontaine stuff which is meant to be impactful it's just like Boyega's response to discovering his mother's yeah, just a box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just like letting the camera sit there for a second. Yep, that and was just a, let that his was face, great. That was really let his good. face Loved just it. do everything. Not not many words or any words, I think, said, but just let it sit there. Like those are the things I want from that. I think I think it's just And again, I didn't the, see that coming. I think I think Taylor is I didn't either. That was I yeah. think I think this is the type of director. It feels like this is going to be the type of director who's better in a nuanced, minor, controlled setting. Oh. And the, like letting, like, you know, a bottle episode sort of movie mm. is like, what I think yes. he's built for. And yep. this is like, I don't know if he's... I mean, maybe he or, is built for maybe this. Maybe he is. Yeah, because it, it works. It does work. Yeah. But I, I think it's a, ta- it's a talented director. It's incredible direction in this. But it's just like you look. I'm looking at it, going like, "Oh, but like you're gonna nail this type of movie because this is what you want." Because like you're there's getting a, those medium shots constantly. There's a people. lot of plot in this movie, and this movie drags when it's trying to nail all its plot points, and it soars when it's letting the characters be well, yeah, characters. Exactly. Yeah. 
But that I think that's part of being a, a feature debut. He's sure. Learning how to tighten some of that up. But I, I, oh, it, I'm really excited to see what he does next. Yeah. No, I, I say Exciting is, I think, the word um, for it. Because if, if the movie hits for you, that shit's, like, super exciting. Again, nobody has... That's how excited I was to find out that... Because I don't really look at you, TV. You won't, you, you won't like it as much as... Sorry to bother you, but it's, well, it's, I don't know. it's fun. I'm surprised you... Is, did he though. make it for Amazon? Yeah. That surprises me. It yeah. surprises me when the communists are like, yeah, I'll give just Jeff Bezos some money. I'll let Jeff Bezos make money off my back. Yeah. That's cool. It's an interesting movie. You, you may hate it, but... Eric Cho. I, I, you should watch it. How many horse it. people die in it? <laughs> not, not a lot of horse people. It's about people. A, 13 tall, a 13 foot tall person. So. Oh. With a huge penis. Hmm. Well, that's, that would be expected, How right? big do you think Michael Fassbender's penis is in this movie? We know how big it is in Shame. Is it no. big in this movie? In in uh, the movie, that in the movie we're talk- talking about next, I thought you were gonna say they cloned Tyrone. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> Imagine if Michael Fassbender just we, walked in. Do we think it's a shower or a grower? He would have been better oh. than Kiefer Sutherland. Oh yeah, he would have been way better I mean, than Kiefer yeah, Sutherland. Kiefer Sutherland's a fine actor. Michael Fassbender's a talented actor. <laughs> uh, I, I would give it a salt. I think it's a solid eight inches in, in this in, in this, this movie. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This next movie, uh, he has to compens- He has to wait for the heartbeat to go down to sixty. And for that to go down to about thirty percent, <laughs> imagine if that's what he was doing. <laughs> waiting for like, oh, God, to he's got, he's, he has to move it over <laughs> to his like right leg to compensate for the weight. Imagine if that was like David Fincher's whole project was was just like how is how is it? What is life like as an assassin with a big penis? What is it like? Who knows? Uh, we don't find that information out in our next movie, which is David Fincher's The Killer. Killer is, uh, like I said, David Fincher's new movie, written by Andrew Kevin Walker, who did uh, the script for Seven, and I think he's worked with David Fincher on a couple of other projects as well, just like cleaning stuff up. Uh, cinematography by Eric Messerschmidt, just like as always. Uh, Kirk Baxter is doing the editing. You got Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross in there doing the score, which is really kind of interesting because there's not a lot of music happening here it's just a lot of like ambient sounds and things but it's it's a, it's a score nonetheless uh, this movie is centers on a uh, killer 
who has no name and is just in the credits called The Killer, and he's played by Michael Fassbender, and when we meet him, he is in Paris, and he's about to kill somebody, uh, except that it takes a while for that person to show up, and so he spends all of his time doing very, uh, living a very ascetic life, living the eating the protein out of McDonald's, uh, you know, Egg McMuffins, um, doing yoga and listening to the Smiths, which he listens yeah, to through the whole movies. through the whole movie. Do you think he's a Morrissey guy? Does, a lot of Smiths. Well, so there was a question on the on the big picture today about or on Thursday about like what the deal with the Smiths is. Is it representative of his like inner feelings? Is it supposed to be ironic? Uh, use of the Smiths by David Fincher. Mario is, is hitting his is that popping microphone. Um, <sighs> Stop up. He we'll get there. We'll fucking get there, Mario. Just relax. No, I'm just. I'm we'll just... get there. Let me get through this thing. He misses. He shoots the dominatrix instead of the guy he's supposed to shoot, and that's a big deal to him because he's been having this kind of. He's been giving us this kind of existential narration about the nature of the self in relation to the job of being a, a hired killer through the whole beginning of the movie. I and, think the only time, says, and the only time he wasn't 100% was because the guy died from a heart attack before he could kill him. Right, exactly. So he's he's like he's batting a thousand here. Um, but he fucks up and he's like, that's new. And so he runs and then he goes home to the Dominican Republic where he finds that his the woman that he's living with, his girlfriend, I guess, has been... Uh, brutally beaten uh, within an inch of her life by two people, uh, a brute and an expert, apparently. Someone that looks like a Q-tip, who we will talk about later. Um, And so the rest of the movie is him going on a quest to find the people responsible for his, the, uh, I guess to get vengeance, but we'll talk about that too, for his, uh, the, the, the assault on his girlfriend. Uh, Andy is very stone-faced, and he did not do any kind of weird things. So I'm less interested in what Andy thinks about this movie, because he's been less ostentatious about the fact that he may have some opinions. Mario. Oh, uh, it's fine. It's, it's entertaining. It's, it's a black comedy. Um, it is a movie I watched, had fun with, and forgot. Um it feels like the beginning of a franchise sort of thing. It, it, oh my god! I hope not. It is. I, he's already I, said he's going. I don't think it will be. He said. He I mean, there's a more. million of these books. He Have you ever read be, any of these graphic novels? No, but I'm, I don't I'm read graphic interested. novels. I'm not. Goddamn, They're good. I'm not a fucking nerd. Um, <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> I like graphic novels. Yeah, they're really good. You fucking would. Uh, and he does. No, I, the I, killer does get into a lot of like uh, international. Political hijinks yeah. and stuff like that. So, so there's opportunities think, here for him to do I think it's stuff. entertaining. So I, I have fun I, with it. I love, um, it. I love I think this it's, movie. I think it's funny. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it is uh, ultimately a popcorn movie. I, I love this movie. I, I, I really liked it too. I had a really good time with this. I, I really like the playfulness of the internal monologue, the dialogue, and how he would constantly fuck up even though he kept talking about how good he was with everything. Yeah. Just, which is well, part of the joke, obviously. Yeah, no, obviously, but it was really funny. Um, uh, also, one criticism, and I'm going to bring this up really quickly because this doesn't isn't a real criticism. We're talking about this brute guy. 
right? How, how strong he is. He's very strong. He's benching 175. <laughs> you, you, you've been doing this. You, you're criticizing John Boyega, too. In, in... John Boyega's at least benching 275. Hey, really? There's no way he could bench that. I was, th- I was, I was looking, maybe he's not I was looking, going for mass. I was actually maybe he's looking, going for tone. I was looking later at that movie. John Boyega can definitely probably bench that much. But... Maybe he's going for tone. But, like, the guy doesn't even look that like, much like a brute. He's, like, not that muscular. And, like, what? what he's big. On there? He's is just, that, like, a is, big is, guy. Is he that big? I don't know. Who cares? I kind of, like, watched him. I was like, no. He, he was it's a small sp- critic. That's, that's my that, that inert guy, That guy played sort Sauron of. in Lord of the Rings. Oh. Which okay. I just learned right now. Someone played so Sauron? Play, like, like, the, oh, like, in the beginning when oh. he was, like, embodied. Oh. Wait a minute. That guy was in a different thing. He must have been young back then. The dude's 47 that played the brute. Oh, yeah. He looks good. Yeah. Good Wait, for he him. A, he was in a different movie. Yeah, I had a great time watching this movie. I loved watching it with my wife who was just like, wow, a lot of people are dying. And I was like, they are. Like, I very excitedly was like, they are dying. They're, You're they're, right. It, it was fun. This movie was really, really fun. This movie goes on. has Again, and I don't talk about a lot about my list on this um, movie because uh, on the podcast because I don't like tend to think about movies like this. But I do sometimes... If I'm having trouble processing them, I try to process them through the list. And so I don't know if Michael Fassbender makes the list, but everything around this movie, like the below the line stuff, I think is just great. Mm-hmm. I think the Trent Reznor Atticus Ross score mm-hmm. is great because it's, not, it's it's like an anti-score. Yeah, but it's not Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem. See, but I actually think it's big, I, it functions differently than Mutant Mayhem because this movie... But it doesn't. This, this score, it's, like you said, it's an anti-score. So like, and that's that's my issue with this movie. I, I had fun with it, but it's so, for me, painfully forgettable. Like it's 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 very root actually wrote, um, by the numbers. Once once he started his quest, I was like, I, I see, but it's not quest. about like I just knew yeah, where yeah, it was yeah. going to end up. Exactly, me too. But it's not about the it's it's not about the quest. It's about. And Tilda Swinton kind of goes into this when he's there. She's talking to him. He's talking to him in that restaurant. Okay, I love that. Scene. I love that scene too. It's not about the quest. It's about why he's going on the quest. So it's actually not about vengeance. It's about the fact that he believes himself to be perfect and that he has been living his life in a certain way to maintain that perfection. And he fucked it up. So the whole thing is just an existential test. Yeah. Can he? St- is he actually the person that he thinks that he is? And when he finds out that he is, he's just kind of like, "Cool, I can go back to normal, back to normal now, neat." And I can make a, I can make a nice coffee with an orange rind on. And I could still be a legend, like a a legend or a myth, basically, by but, sparing this billionaire. Right, and like because that's is the like, idea. It's kind of the idea I got from that. It's like when he spares him, it's not so it, much like, "Oh, I don't blame you." It's more like, "I need to have something." To be a, to be like an epoch. Right, uh, and he uh, asks him, he's like, so I came in here with a gun, and you had no idea who I was. And it basically just confirmed narratively, that idea confirmed narratively that, like, this guy is not going to come after him again. Like, this is over. Mm -hmm. But basically, he's also showing the upper, like, the people that hire him, he's proving to them, like, anytime I want. Anytime I I want, I can can go from beginning to end of this shit. Dig into this. No one is left to dig into. Like, I've taken care of all of them. Um, like, this is over. I am yeah. 
all the stuff that I've been like doing was justified. It was, it was, I don't know. It was interesting. Well, you really loved the one thing you mentioned was you loved him buying off of Amazon. Oh, I, I like the way that they portrayed like him buying stuff off of Amazon. Just like it was just like the, the I've never seen that in a movie where it showed the him buying whatever the the fob the, the, the fob, fob copier thing and then yep. goes picks it up from a locker. I don't. Know, I just like the the detail that which is, is in there, which is like, interesting about this movie. There's a lot of what has to be product placement. So, but it feels so naturally. I actually kind of, think it's so. There's been an argument, and we probably listened to the same podcast about this. There's an argument that he's doing it because it's like a, it's in it's a it's a pseudo. So there's a lot of talk about this movie as being um, uh, kind of vaguely, but specifically autobiographical. Um, for, for David Fincher, David, how David Fincher approaches making movies and how he interacts with the culture, basically. So like he he's can do kind of, he's like an he stabs, outsider. He he's stabs a, people in the dick. He's <laughs> no, yeah. He wears lots of sh- like weird bowler hats. Um, you like I mean, hats. probably yeah. no, he can like, He's like operating at the peak Todd of his field does. Maybe he's operating at the peak of his powers, but nobody's really paying attention to him because like the movies that he's making are cloaked in, excuse me, are cloaked in like professionalism. You know what I mean? He makes professional thrillers. He makes professional period pieces. He makes professional movies. And so people and are also the curious case of Benjamin Button and also the curious case of Benjamin Button. And again, as someone who thinks Mank fucking stinks, like I get the idea though that he is. And he's been making Netflix movies for a really long time now. I don't know if you listen to the, the the Ringer. They talked about the fact that he hasn't released a movie theatrically since Gone Girl, well, so, which is fascinating. Yeah, making so, the killer. Though. So since then he's right. Making the killer, but he's also had um, Mindhunters, Mindhunter. Um, they're all on Netflix. Yeah. And then Love, Death, and Robots. Yeah, which, Netflix. Love, Love, Death, and Robots. Well, because uh, it's, it's the yeah. it's his was the best episode of that show which is the um what's that called bad traveling yeah have you seen that one the bad traveling one the one that's based on the boat i love ken holy shit that needs to be a movie i showed it to mario this weekend it blew his mind did you read any of the short stories no gotta read that shit bad traveling is based on a short story all the the um the all those shorts are ken lu stories oh i didn't know that yeah that is he's a he's a so he did the translation of the three body problem so he was kind of don't know what that is either. Just dig into it. It's going to be another Netflix show. Um, uh, I have a zero body problem. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, ladies. <laughs> I ain't got no body you problems. Haven't had a ladies in a while though. I haven't had a three body problem in a long time. I haven't had a one body problem. Uh, uh, no, I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to do that. Um, yeah, I just, I just, I don't know. It's. I understand what you mean. And, and it's not a criticism. I think it's a. Uh, uh, I mean, this, a, this strongly well done. This is, not, I just, I, I, maybe I just love David Fincher. I just threw. I didn't like Mank either. Most of the um, movies we watched, I threw solidly right into the middle of our pack. Bam! Right in the middle. Um, yeah, I just, I kind of, I don't know where it falls. Like ultimately, I don't. But I really liked it, and I, I just, I don't dug I don't it. Have a I sense really of dug what it. What you love it, like uh, the anti score. I heard that. Oh, like, I like the anti score because it? I like the idea. No, that, but no, but like, what else about it beyond? beyond no, that but this is like, like I think a good example. Okay. I think the anti score is a good like launching pad to talk about like what I like about it is that it's really digging into. It's, it's a David Fincher movie, so it's everything looks perfect on the surface, yeah. and I think that's how he wants it. And then there's a level of there's layers to this movie, and I don't mean that like metaphorically in the sense that like it's a really deep movie, although I think that it is. Is that there's actual physical layers. So there's the visual palette. 
that you see, and it's perfect, and it's a David Fincher movie, and he's doing all David Fincher moves, and you're supposed to be, you know, he's supposed to be hidden in this apartment, you know, you can't see him, but for some reason there's a fucking floor, yellow floor light just glowing up at him, and it, like, I'm just like, well, that's weird thing to do if you want to be hidden, is oh, to be constantly what? glowing a light. That was a space heater. No, no, the, in the corner there's like a yellow oh, light. okay. Um, like a work light. It's like that's well, a weird thing to do, but it looks but it looks awesome. But it looks really light. good. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then there's a second level, which is this narration, this inner monologue that he's having with himself about what he's about I, the work that he's I doing. Love that part of it. And then underneath that, that, there's the anti-score, where there are things happening that the Smiths and oh, and actually, I should say, underneath that, there's the Smiths, and then underneath that, there's the anti-score, where you really get a sense of. Not just conflict, because he's not conflicted about what he's doing, but he's definitely, his heart rate is not at 60 anymore. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And the, well, it never was. The, but the physical expression of that is never is no longer just in his watch, because he only looks at it a couple more times for the rest of the movie. It's in that score. It's in the way that the camera goes from, the direction goes from watching him slowly kind of, walk down this Florida street and then just dis- calmly distribute meat to this dog. And then he goes in this house and it's walking really slow. And he has a guy in a shower and he's going to nail this guy in the shower. And then all of a sudden the guy fucking tackles him <laughs> and it's fucking chaos. He's going to, he's going to nail that guy in the shower. He's going to nail that guy in the shower. Yeah. I, I, I love that. Surprise. So one, one thing I, one uh, thing I actually, I do like about this is, is the fact that it shows it starts from a level of incompetency where he makes the mistakes. He's talked about how he's highly competent, has never failed, fucks up the job. Yeah. Then proceeds to fuck up killing um, Charles, the lawyer, Todges Parnell, where you, he thinks you, he's going to like... mean Chris Parnell that you kept... I thought it was Chris Parnell at first. <laughs> Imagine if it was Chris Parnell. That'd be great. Doc, he's doing his Dr. Spichemin voice. Um, you know, fucks up with that. Yep. Uh, then fucks up with the brute. And by the time he's kind of like gone through all these like these fuck-ups. Yep. He doesn't fuck up with Tilda Swinton. He does not. He just fucking shoots her right in the head when she's going to stab him. And that's um, a magic... But that- it's, it's weird because like he's, he is slowly becoming what he thinks he is throughout the movie, which, which is something I appreciate. Well, yeah. He's building himself back up after his mistake. But I think the beauty of the movie to me is, again, and I, I don't know where it falls on anything, is that it's all that below-the-line stuff because all those... I do want to talk about one thing after you're done with this. Yeah, 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 for sure. The we can talk about this for a long as well. That Tilda Swinton scene I think is perfect for a number of reasons. One because she's just excellent in it. She's this guy doesn't like Tilda Swinton. No, I did. I said she's she creeps me out, but I think she's a great actress. What? No, I'm just kidding. Um, creeps you, can, you out though. The way that they shot that that scene is. She's I think it's kind actress. of indicative of what I really like about this movie, which is it's a visceral movie. It's a movie that you can feel both emotionally and physically. That scene is the emotions are cold. She is trying to warm up. She's even drinking whiskey to mm-hmm. kind of like warm herself a little bit. She offers it to him to see if he'll warm up, and he doesn't. They go outside, and he you does just, though. He has the one a shot. little bit, but you can kind of like. But he steals him. Like he he goes back to being himself again, or the yeah. the the. the version of himself that he wants to be and they go outside and it's it looks cold it feels cold and again this is very basic stuff but it doesn't always work in every movie like getting that visceral sense of place and the and the in the moment 
is doesn't always work and it really works in this movie. And I think it's just because David Fincher's really good at his job and he stopped fucking around and trying to so do stupid atmosphere. fucking stupid yeah. shit like make Mank or but, you know But Mank was I like mean, a, for his dad or whatever. Dad. That was a sure. Thing, so but it's whatever. just it's a it's just not a <laughs> it's just not a successful movie. I know. It, I, I like almost everything else he does. I do so. like how Arliss Halloran is always used appropriately. Even love. in Mank he's used appropriately. Uh, let's talk about the Smiths thing. What what the fuck? Uh, I don't know. What, 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 so so they said like a part of What's so like the Morrissey thing? Like he's Morrissey? Like he's well, like so the that Morrissey a is modern kind of, right is ex- sort of guy. No, no, no. It's more that like the it's very much the Smiths. So there's no Morrissey. Okay. It's just the Smiths. So it's more that the Smiths are kind of speaking for him, like are his emotional language. So where he's not expressing any real language or emotional language, the skunk. Kind of yeah. Yeah. Gonna drink it though. Um. There's no, he's not expressing any emotional language. He's actually very, like, saying the the opposite, like, feel no empathy, like, do your job. The Smiths are kind of like, Morrissey is expressing that language is, for him. Is that in the graphic novels, The Smiths, or is that something that was added for this so, movie? I haven't read any of the early ones. I've only read, like, some of the middle, later ones. Well, I'm probably going to read them. I haven't I'll, noticed I'll any of the Smith stuff. Okay. Apparently, though, that is was a Fincher choice. Okay. Um, to kind of like hammer, this is this is what he does. He's what he to a, focus. He's going to make a theatrical charmed movie. Um, How soon is now? Is maybe the, is the opening, the credit song. Do you think that would be charmed. good? Do you think they'd all come? Wait, is Shannon Doherty dead? No, she's she's alive. She's so dead. they're all alive. Yeah. So maybe. Yeah, Holly Marie Combs though, demanding big bucks. You think that's you think that's what it is? <laughs> Okay, so I, it wasn't like a Morrissey thing. So it wasn't okay. No, that's, well, that's, so there's. That's, I mean, that's okay. again, on, on the big picture, they were they posited the idea that he was trolling like society by being like, "Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna use this guy's songs in a movie that like." But nobody connects the Smiths. Nobody does. And I Morrissey. think there's. I think there's a tendency. This is one of the things that I kind of wanted to talk about if we had a little bit of time, and maybe we have a little bit of time now. Is that the idea that I, I don't like the Smiths either? People are over. I like some of the Smiths. Some of the Smiths I find kind of boring, um, but their great stuff is great. And then everything else is kind of yeah, just like not as good as the I like, great I like stuff. Calsoon is now, um, um, but everything else. Oh, I'm not a big Cure guy either. I, but they're not the same band. They, no, I think they, they occupy the same emotional space, but the Smiths were revolutionary, and the Cure was just good. Well, they're both new waves, right? So. Well, but the Smiths invented a, a musical language, and the Cure did too. But the Cure's musical language was based on not really being able to play guitar very well. And Johnny Marr is one of the great guitar innovators in the history oh, yeah. of music. Johnny Marr's fantastic. Yeah, I, I prefer Johnny Marr's solo stuff to what the Smiths have done. However, my favorite new wave band. Not counting, cars. not counting. Uh, is, is the cars the cars aren't surgery? Sure, of course they are. No, I'm saying of like the very heavy sort of new waves. Give like, it to me. Is in excess probably. Love in excess. Okay. We wouldn't call Talking Heads new wave though. No, they're okay. they're punk. Um, punk really? Yeah, because they were original CBGB's band. Oh, I'd say like progish. No, like there was no prog- no. They were out. They were totally outside of prog. So it was. Talking Heads and the Ramones and Television and Blondie. It was all the original punk bands. The Damned. 
You know, Blondie's considered punk too. The Dead Boys. Oh yeah, because they were all original CBGBs bands. They were all New York in the seventies. But like Talking Heads is such like a prog feel to it. But back in the day, it, no, it didn't I mean, feel I like it's that. Not is it? It isn't. But I'm saying like in retrospect. In retro, but that's the thing. It, so where would you put I think the Talking thing? Heads are a great, are a really interesting retrospect band. Where like when you think about them now, you think about them one way. But at the time, read Please Kill Me by Legs McNeil. Um, the oral history of punk in New York in the in the in the sixties and seventies, um, it was they were no one sounded they sounded like nothing, so like there was prog happening in England, there was no prog in America, so like you had Yes and Genesis and um, King Crimson in, in England and in, in America. Genesis is considered prog. Oh yeah, yeah. early Genesis, is big. Well, prog. yeah, I guess that's Cogs and Heads is they consider it new wave post punk. There you go. There you go. There you go. Oh, we're, we're we're good on the uh, the killer talk, right? I think so we're I think actually we're it's like the perfect place to yeah. end. Um, I love the killer so killer really, killer. really quickly, yeah. Before we jump into this, with the move of stop making sense, going you know the thirtieth, yeah, fortieth yeah. anniversary. 40th, yeah. Do we think Talking Heads are going to go back on tour? No, think, you don't think they're ever going to do like a one thing? They're willing to put like their frustration with each other aside, but they're they're not good enough no. to do that. We were talking. So. Let's talk about that with some friends. He doesn't need money. David Byrne opened two Broadway shows in a row. Yeah. Um, and he doesn't care about talking heads anymore. Yeah. He's not. If, if they toured, would you see it? Yeah, but it'd be expensive. What would be the most very expensive? I was I was having this discussion. They what's been the together most, in like twenty years? What's, or so? yeah. what's the most you would spend on a ticket? I have very low standards for this, so it would probably be like a hundred dollars. Somebody thought I was great. I would spend eight hundred dollars. Wow. Yeah. So the problem with that. So I'm curious. This is perfect. So the demand a very fundamental band for like the last sure eight years of my life. and it would be a miracle if they went back on tour. The demand would necessitate either residencies at a lot of different in a lot of different Brooklyn cities. Steal for ten. But that's what I know. It would be minutes. like the King's Theater in Brooklyn for like six nights, or. Madison Square Garden, which is going to cost which, a fortune. But not only that, but like Talking Heads in Madison Square Garden it seems it feels weird. weird. Yeah, like real yeah. weird. So they or the Beacon for like five straight nights. Beacon would probably be the Beacon would be Beacon is an amazing place to see a show. Beacon or something like PlayStation Theater or something on Broadway. But they would have to do they would have to do residencies. Yeah, because yeah. if they're not doing residencies, they'd have to do football stadiums. And Talking Heads at a football stadium would Doesn't be fucking work. gross. Be gross. Yeah, it would not. They wouldn't. They, I mean, they probably won't. Oh, really God. You know what's going to happen? It's going to be the fucking sphere. Yeah. They'll, they'll be the sphere. I, I wouldn't go. I'm going to go to that. You're I not go. obligated to go? Because I, I, of, you know, your blood? I like the sphere. The blood that cool. runs through you? Sphere. Why, why are you against the sphere? You're I wouldn't nev- go see the fucking Your Nevada heads. blood? Okay. You don't have spheres, like, all over you? All when they opened it, you didn't talking get talking heads at the sphere. Roots don't draw you to the sphere. Oh, he knows how to say Nevada correctly. Nevada. <laughs> Does that re- is that? Oh, it is relevant to our next movie. It's it very it's relevant very to our relevant. next movie. Yes. Um, our next movie is the new what, Sophia. What, do you if if he were alive today? I mean, he did residencies, right? David That's, Byrne. He's no, alive. If if, if, Elvis. if Elvis were alive today. I'd oh yeah. Did he do a Vegas residency? Sure. Yeah, yeah. he did. Yeah. Absolutely. That's he the would... whole end of the movie we're getting ready to talk to. It's the whole end of all the movies. 
that's was how he the middle he of a, Was he the middle of a residency yeah. when he did? Okay. Yeah. So he'd probably be in a sphere residency if he was still alive today. I think he was a sphere residency, like in and of himself when he died. Is Bono, is Bono secretly Elvis? I, I, if you asked Bono, I think he'd like look around to make sure no reporters were there and be like, yeah, I am. <laughs> no, this is Sofia Coppola's new film, Priscilla. Hi. What's your name? Priscilla Boyer. You like Elvis Presley? Of course. Who doesn't? One of the kids listening to these days. Bobby, Darren, Fabian, and you. <laughs> Just what is the intent here, Mr. Presley? You got women throwing themselves at you. Why my daughter? Well, sir, I happen to be very fond of your daughter. She's much more mature than her age. That's what? 22. That's 22. 22. You don't have to worry about it. Black hair and more eye makeup. I don't know if I like it. What do you mean you don't know if you like it? He's not like you imagine. You know, there's a lot of rumors about you. Oh, I need a woman who understands that things like this might happen. Are you gonna be here or not? I want a life of my own. Restart in the late 1950s in West Germany. Priscilla is 14, 14 years old. 14 years old. Um, and some military guy, I don't know, uh, he's, he's a lieutenant or something, goes up and says, hey, do you want to meet Elvis Presley? And she's like, yeah, I do, because I'm 14 years old. Do you think that was child. Jeffrey Epstein's dad? <laughs> Probably. Uh, oh, Jesus Christ. Um, and then she goes and does meet uh, Elvis. Elvis is 24, 24 years old, nearing the end of his time in the military. His conscription he, into the military. Why did, why did he... What's the story about that with the military? Like he There's still joined, a draft. He got drafted. During Korea? During Korea, yeah. Okay. And they just stationed him. They just stuck him in Berlin. Yeah, and they but, gave him they a, a, a military base like, there. You know, whatever. I Korea was like fifty, like ended in fifty four. But they still drafted people then. Like, like you just Korean? had you had to just report to Wait. to to the military. I think this is, this is good good podcast because they didn't well, they it. didn't like so anyhow they the, meet they meet up at um I'm know, perfectly house. willing they to be wrong about find this, out yeah. uh, it was ended in fifty three Korea did yeah so I don't think he was drafted he had to like. I don't think he enlisted though. Andy, no, Andy, I, sign, look this up. Look this up while I, while I talk about this movie. Just look up why Elvis went to the military. I thought he did it. Okay, I'll look it up. I, Thank you. I thought I had it. Anyway. Producer Andy, you got producer credit now. <laughs> um, that means we owe him money. No, like once we start making money, yeah, you can make you money. You guys gotta make money first. <laughs> There's a beer downstairs of mine. You can have one of them. I drank one of your beers, so you can have one of mine. Uh, anyhow, uh, they meet up, and Elvis is like, "Hey." <laughs> child you remind me of home and they eventually become a couple and the parents for some reason are okay with it probably because of the money 
Uh, and, uh, you know, Elvis, Elvis returns back to Graceland, um, and Priscilla is still enamored with him. She's still in love with him, and eventually, as she turns 17, 18, she, moves, she goes out to Graceland. And, I like you uh, can't even say it with like a straight face. Decides to uh, finish her schooling there, so she goes to. He, a well, we were, we he decided to, for her. I, no, was I'm going to say we watched this movie together. Mario was watching the movie like this the whole time. By the way, that's good radio. Uh, because of COVID fears or cold no, fears. Or no, I, so Mar- Mario I did. I had his face I had, into his shirt. Yeah, so I, I have a zipper uh, sweater that I wear sometimes. Really fashionable, ladies. <laughs> um, and. <laughs> I was I did zip it all the way up and put it over my face because because of, of mortification. Because of this, yes, um, and you know after being groomed for for a bit, Priscilla and Elvis enter into a relationship in Graceland. But Elvis is also loving the drugs, loving the alcohol. Ish, not really that. He's not wasn't that much of a drinker, but probably was. They don't show him drinking like a ton then, but he was an alcoholic too, right? Oh yeah, more pills. No, it was both. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then it just goes through the romance as they date, and we see Elvis being the gigantic fucking piece of shit that he was, which just reconfirms all the things I felt about Elvis from when I was a child. Very happy about that. Mm-hmm. My grandmother was a big Elvis person. I was like, this guy looks like a fucking schmuck. That's how I felt watching Spencer last year. It's like fuck. Just really hated Diana. Diana. Yeah. I don't think she groomed anyone though. She it's did. Really she did not. I was just joking. The biopic. I will. I will say this though, Henry. Is it Henry? Is that the redheaded one? No, Harry. What's, Harry. That's not Charles's kid. You don't think that's, so? That's my conspiracy theory. That is that is somebody else's kid. Who's? I don't know. Like an Irishman. <laughs> like an actual attractive man. <laughs> like Diana was attractive. Charles looks like a fucking doorknob. Like him and Camilla. That's that's a pair. That's a perfect pair. You think they're trying to make one right now? Oh, I hope so. <laughs> um, but like, even I don't know if I was, I wouldn't have married Charles. What was she? He's the fucking king now. Who fucking cares? I mean, I don't care, but that guy looks. That is one of the least attractive men who's like a, at a healthy weight. She's ever. British. They don't know. They don't know. No. Anyways. Uh, she deals with Elvis's peculiarities and immaturity and violence. Um, <clears throat> eventually, they get married, uh, have a child, Lisa Marie, um, and then the movie ends 15 minutes later, and then she leaves him. Yep. She gets married, and then we quickly get out. Did you find so out why he went to the military? There's, like, there's an entire Wikipedia page about his military history. So he was just. So just read the beginning of it. <laughs> it's very long. So he was just drafted. Is that for? Why was he drafted? I guess they were just drafting guys back then. Like, but there wasn't no even a war. There was no war. They just stationed him. I told you. Yeah, there they was. Just there, did the there's draft. no. There's no war for it. And they offered him like. Do they? Do they? They offered they, him a chance just to do like like um, USO stuff, but Colonel Tom Parker told him just to not do that because it would look like he's being baby. Tom Hanks. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, Forever. So Tom then Hanks. he did like a regular enlistment and just hung out in Germany. So. It's cool. I guess they were just drafting dudes for a while. Good time. Like, you can't do that anymore, right? You can't. You have to like actually draft at wartime. I think now. There's no draft anymore. There was a draft. No, there's not. 
What? You fucking kidding me? Yes, we got rid of the draft. No, but like, no, but they we could. We have full volunteer could, military. No, they could institute a draft at any point still. But I think it has to be it's at an act war. Of, it's, but it's also an act of Congress. When can... Oh. Well, shit. That could happen at any point. Yeah. So I have. They'd have to redo the... <laughs> but back then it was like regular. I think... Luckily... Yeah. Maybe it was... Cold War stuff? I don't know. Luckily, one of these motherfuckers at this table has flat feet, so he will never have... And a history of epilepsy. And we're too old. Yeah, and old. I thought it was 40. So you're too old. I think we're still good. Uh, See you later, guys. Shit. <laughs> I'd be 45 even. Um, are we avoiding talking about this movie for some reason? Uh, no, I, it, it's, it has a really, really solid first hour. And then it just keeps going. That's, that's my problem with this movie. Yeah, the, like, the, the first hour of this film... Is incredibly solid. It's an incredibly, really intense, it's, it's uncomfortable, uncomfortable. Por- portrait of uh, grooming. Of grooming. And, and then, then the movie just doesn't have anything else to say, the, the, and just keeps doing that. The re- yeah. yeah, the rest of the movie, I felt it was just repetitive. It was Elvis acting like a baby, like wanting her to go away. Cheats on her, or cheats on her, wants her to go away. Apologizes, gets mad, throws something. They get back together, and then rinse and repeat. And it was just like forever. Yeah. Yeah. It just so you you were texting me while you were watching this. It's one of the benefits I think of watching a movie with nobody else in the theater is that like you don't feel like you have to like be shy about like using your phone or something. Our like theater that. was packed with like teenagers. It was very confusing. Oh, there was nobody in my theater, which was great. Um, so I was texting you just like the I thought the first. 40 minutes of this movie was a fucking miracle. Um, I kind of couldn't get over how, like, into it I was. Yeah, same. Um, like, just... I like the two leads were awesome. I too. thought Jacob Elordi was fucking amazing. I thought he was amazing. Austin Butler. Austin Butler. Oh, my God. Like, because he's got some nuance and he's got some pathos. And even though yeah. he's a disgusting he's a, piece a of shit... It's a person. He's got, like... He is... You buy a little bit enough... Of like the pain mm-hmm. to be like everything he's doing is horrible, but like it seems like he's really well, suffering. Yeah. Like, so yeah, like he's so basically, for his mom's it is right. death and everything. Yeah, you know, Butler's performance is a caricature, mm-hmm. which in that movie's all it, about it was, caricatures. Because it's, a piece of shit it's up, fucking Boz Lerman. Boz Lerman can't direct himself out of a goddamn paper bag. Well, a paper what? bag would be bedazzled. It would be <laughs> would be thicker than a normal paper bag. Give me three tries, and I can direct a better movie in Baz Luhrmann. I need three tries because I need to learn how the process. <laughs> I fully, I fully believe I could do it. Um, no, and, and and that's the thing, like because this Elvis is still slightly bigger than life, and still very much the antagonist, but you see how he got there. You see, like there's there's enough, like Coppola, I think. Coppola's a strong, a strong screenwriter, in my opinion, in, in the sense that she demands, that she she needs to like warrant things happening, mm-hmm. often in her films. I don't think she's like the best filmmaker overall. Like, love, love, she falls down a lot, but there's a, but she's got there's a enough, style. There's enough. She's got a style, but in her writing, there's enough through lines mm-hmm. and enough justification as to why these people do that. And she does it here with like the hurt people hurt sort of thing mm-hmm. with the relationship Elvis has with his father and with kind of the, you know, ubiquitous unseen Tom Parker stuff. Yeah. You know, that he is basically a beaten, controlled, groomed individual himself. Sure. 
and he just continues that cycle. And I think that's that's done incredibly well here. My issue with it is like, and I I've never read um, Elvis and Me. I've Nor heard will I ever. Yeah. Same. Uh, it, I actually don't I, even know why this movie exists, even though the fact that I loved an hour of it. Maybe, really deeply. Maybe too. Sofia yeah. Coppola really hates Elvis and thought like, oh shit, Elvis made people like Elvis. I have, yeah. A, yeah, I have a thought on yeah, that, but we'll continue. I kind of agree with that. Um, which I, I think is great because I think we need to like make sure people realize Elvis fucking sucks. I think it's. A, I definitely do think it's important we're, we're in the business of making hagiographies of everybody. Like Princess Di included, even though she ate... Hateographies? Hagiographies. It's just kind of like the idea of making like uh, art that like... Um, Puts people on pedestals. Yeah. Got it, got it. Um, and that's what we do now. Like, everything's a kind of, like, bespoke biopic about how great, like, how Freddie Mercury changed music and how Elton John fucking changed music and how Princess Di... Which is funny. Maybe and, ate a necklace, but was also, like, Princess Di. Which is funny in an episode where there's two biographical dramas where the feature is... N- you know, Elvis and then Nyad are both presented as kind of assholes. Right, but like... Well, they, a huge asshole and kind of But that's of the thing. But I think Nyad, they were just like, well, this is her pers- This was her personality, but didn't she do such a great thing that you don't care about it? And me, personally, I was like, no, Not she's really. fucking well, sucks. Actually, I will give, I'll give credit, going back to Nyad. The one thing I'll give credit to, like, beyond it being fine with Carrie by Solid performances, is it does feel raw in the sense of, like, it felt like they just kind of laid it out there and was like, this is who this person is. Sure. Take what you will from But it. unless you're really interested, in, to go back to Nyad, unless you're really interested in swimming, it's hard for me asshole. to kind of be like, I'm, this was all worth it. Her being really shitty to a bunch of people that believed in her and loved her for fucking years because she swam really far once. And then said, like, you think this is a solitary sport, but it's a team thing. At right. It's end. like, come on. Like, yeah. give me a fucking break. Um, I, my feeling about this movie, and, well, you know, we were kind of talking about this off air, but when I got here, we got to the studio, and this will be reflected in something we talk about in a couple of weeks, is that there's the beginning part of this movie has. The every so excited for a couple weeks. Every shot is, everything is perfect in the beginning part of this movie. The lack of Elvis music, the Ramones doing, um, uh, what the fuck is the name of that song? I should have written it down, but they're like the Ramones version of "Be My Girl" or whatever it is. Um, that that the very Phoenix, obvious Phoenix stuff. The baby, Phoenix baby, I score, I, baby, I love you. The Phoenix score, I don't even like Phoenix, but all of that like synthy so stuff well. works so, so well to so convey good. an emotion, and it's such a and the, I can, I, I, Sons of Raphael, I can maybe? pinpoint the moment of these things. No, the yeah. Sons of Ra- uh, Raphael do the um, end credits song. Oh, okay, but uh, they elixir. but for some reason in in Wikipedia they get like a song, but it's so uh, music credit. Yeah, okay. um, I can pinpoint the moment that I because I was texting you about this. The moment that I kind of figured out how the beginning works is that it's a Wes Anderson, a, the best Wes Anderson movie ever because it has an emotional core to it. And when she's doing like, look at this Pan Am ticket and look at this letter from Elvis and look at this calendar and look at these magazines and look at these albums that she's sending her. Everything's very tactile and real. And she's just saying like, isn't this cool? And what's happening is it's, putting us in Priscilla's mind at that moment being like, all this is cool, and that's why I'm in love with him. I'm in love yeah. with the world mm-hmm. that is being built around me. 
the moment that this movie literally moves from a masterpiece to a piece of shit <laughs> is when it fades to black after they have the conversation about the song. And she's like, I guess, and there he's just like, I don't like this song. And then she's like, I guess I don't like that song either. And he throws a chair at her. Yeah. And then he's just like, um, oh, oh, I'm so, I'm sorry, yeah, baby. I get so mad sometimes. And then that's when the cycle started. And, and then they like, go to L.A. and it's another hour of just like the same thing over yeah. and over and over again, and nothing is interesting, and I don't care anymore about what happens well, to her no, I, because I know what's gonna like. It's not, it's not a Quentin Tarantino movie, so she's not gonna fucking kill Elvis in a movie theater. Well, she's gonna try to kill. So she's bad. gonna try to kill Frank Drebin, but not Elvis. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine if they figured out a way to get like some kind of like early Leslie, Leslie Nielsen, Nielsen like in somewhere in there. Like no, the no, actually, I I absolutely agree with you because um, I hated that, hated the second half of this movie. Oh, I know I'm saying, and I it's, it's the same. Asleep, to be it's honest. the same moment because I remember when he throws the chair. I looked at the indentation of where the chair hit. Yes, and just focused on that like unindenting it. Yep, and I'm like, oh, this movie doesn't have anything else to say. And like it's a great short film, I think. Yeah, it was it's a good. But then it like it's it's a perfect it's a perfect. But like the, uh, there it, had to have been other stuff. There had to have been like an escalation. So I've been right I, from what I understand from listening to podcasts trauma. about this is that there isn't like she was basically the the narrative of, grew of her life is that she, her life was shit from fourteen to whenever she divorced Elvis, and that was. And like in what that happened, she has just matured enough to realize, like exactly, I don't need this. So yeah, I just don't think that the 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 later part of her life is as interesting as like the first part of her life, and it's definitely not um, expressed as interestingly, like well, like in a film language as she did in the beginning it's, of the it's, movie. It's expressed in the same way that we've seen, and I think I think there's a trauma to it early on because it's you know. <laughs> It felt grooming. Like Sophia Coppola also didn't care about her later life, just the way it was being performed. Like, I, I, from what I've seen, like I said, I, I just heard it hems so close to the novel or to the um, autobiography maybe, maybe that she even like, like Priscilla Presley herself even kind of like glared over or glanced over her well, marriage. She was a executive producer in this, wasn't she? Not. She yeah. and she definitely participated in it, but I also think that to that point that I think. This movie got made in the first place because I think Sofia Coppola was not so much interested in Priscilla Presley as she was interested in the time period and the aesthetic qualities of Priscilla Presley's life. Well, this has a this has a lot of virgin suicides feelings. It's got a lot of the same. It's got a lot of the same themes as well as yeah. those things. But like as a lot of her other like movies, when she's walking and feeling the carpet like that, like in that shot of the carpet, like her feet on the carpet, yeah. I was like. I, I could see Tom really loving parts of this because of the fact that it has and I did. such a close Virgin Suicides. But Virgin skill, Suicides is a raw... Which you still haven't seen. Right? Yeah, right. Virgin Suicides is a raw expression from beginning to end, not just of... Which is, like, it's pitched as of, um, like, a, a teenaged women's, like, longing for, like, you know, autonomy and an expression of self or an opportunity to express themselves, but also just like any teenage kid trying to find meaning in like a very, a world that is very closed off either by your parents or by just like the nature of being a kid, like in kind of reaching out and trying to make those like real connections. And I think that's one of the things that's interesting about this is that 
seemingly she's trying to do that. Like Priscilla is an interesting person who is making a connection with Elvis and it seems like she feels like it's a real connection somehow. And Sophia Coppola does enough work to establish that it might be a real emotional connection. smartly done enough to where it's not just Elvis's star that makes her attracted to him. It's the fact that it's a... It's his vulnerability. The vulnerability, but also a back home. Like they both... Exactly. Like the way Elvis directly expresses, like, you remind me of home, is what we've seen shown to us about what Priscilla's missing is back home. Yeah. And so, like, they both have that same level of vulnerability. I mean, it takes a hit is, like, the understatement of the century. Like, the fact that she ends this with, like, Dolly Parton's version of I Will Always Love You made me want to, like, fucking throw up. I was like, could you end with a more obvious image <laughs> and song? This guy this guy also yelled at me because I was like, oh, it's a weird cover of I Will Always Love You. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and, then, and then, like, we're just at Trinity, and he goes at the bar. Uh, local bar and he goes like that's the original version and I'm like I don't fucking know this but it's so isn't it so weird to open with a cover like a Ramones cover and then just end with a period appropriate Dolly Parton singing like a hit song like come on while she's leaving like give me a fucking break like and that's the thing that's so weird about it it's like it's almost seems like it's made by two different like the first half is made by Sofia Coppola and the second half is made by somebody else who just cares a lot less about this project I mean there aren't a lot of scenes that are like this year that are as good as um like the fireworks scene at Grace like on the Graceland property you know what I mean they're just it's this real expression of of young freedom from yeah. all of these people, most of whom are fucking losers, yeah, like an Elvis hangers on. Yeah. But for for a moment, those guys were funny. In a oh, they were great. <laughs> and how like they would just be there. They'd be like, hey, hey, hey. hey. Uh, hey like, oh yeah, friend. of course, Elvis. They're yeah. all supposed to be people, but like in this movie, they're they like they're not. just the guys that are there. They go, hey, let's eat, hey. Um, and those early moments are so great, but. It just it I I don't know. It just seems so weird that she couldn't sustain it. She couldn't find an in for the yeah, rest of it. It feels like it lose loses energy. And I as openly it, it, reject it, the idea that like it's like that because that's what her life was like. Fuck that shit. Like no, just yeah, make it gotta, interesting. You gotta make a movie out of it. And and I think the thing that also hurts it is the fact that like the story, the direction, the script kind of loses energy as the thing goes on. But like Kaylee's Spain is like kind of bringing it the entire, the entire time. time. She's yeah. fantastic, and Jacob Villardi, they're both yeah. fantastic. Like the whole way through. Like that. That's that's definitely probably she's probably in my very short list right now mm. for actress. Like she's going hard the entire time I think with both it. Both of them are for me right now. Oh so. yeah, <laughs> no, he is. He is too. Um, but he's what what I said that I liked about it was, and I think I think Jacob Villardi even talked about this like in interviews. I think where he's like, I am a supporting role. Like everything I'm doing is I'm doing a Elvis. Yeah. But like everything I do is meant to enhance that performance. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm like, like just, just be positively about this film for a bit. Like she just nails everything. Like the, the frustration she has Mm -hmm. over having sex. It was palpable. (laughs) Like, like the script kind of gives a bit of it, but she like, breathes so much life into that kind of just like that 
teenage frustration yeah. mm-hmm. of just like he has some angst being sure. horned yeah. up like was so perfectly done well this is what's supposed and, to and happen that's, that's, that's frustrating because yeah. i think the frustrating thing is like that i mean you know having not seen poor things yet but you know she's probably going to be a nominee annette benning is on the short list to be a nominee no, no, no. she is she is on the she is currently she on the short list but like no i think it's pretty settled I don't think she the will. five verse I think is pretty. Margot Robbie. Well, it's it's Margot Robbie, Emma Stone, her Kaylee Lily Spani- Gladstone, Lily Gladstone, Kaylee Spanning. Isn't Kaylee Spanning like? No, it's um, it's, uh, it's Carrie Mulligan. All oh, right, her maestro. Yeah. Even though I'm guaranteed that's gonna be a supporting performance that's gonna be she, given. It only matters if she runs. And, and... Yeah, I know. But um, even when this film loses steam, like she's still operating on like that high octane level like she's still putting all the energy into even it, though that she's enhancing like right. everything yeah like when it comes down to like the i have needs sort of thing like the the sex aspect of it like she really drives it home whereas the script doesn't it's like kind of like it's there it's but just saying the words she's yeah. adding a lot to this like mm-hmm. she like and just that that vulnerability in the beginning um which could be so easily, and I think that like, like kind of like bothered me about like the beginning of this movie. Yeah, well, because it felt re- real. Because it felt it feels so real. Like she feels they, they, and they she feels a, like such a convinced fourteen year old. Yeah, and they did a like really a good job. Year old she, she did a good job acting, and they did a good job aging her throughout this. Movie. Yeah, the makeup like, effects on that. Yeah, were but also like, like her, she looks fucking 14. her maturity as the movie goes was really impressive yep. too because she has to go from like 14 to like 20 and you see and you see like the steps you see like that's the one thing that kind of kept me invested in this film yeah. is the fact that like she is doing the lifting that coppola's script can't do towards the end so coppola's direction kind of like a couple of like directs the film well but the script oh loses, yeah the, the screenplay is the thing that loses steam the um, um i mean i i Invested is 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 a really interesting word because I could not maintain my investment because I think she is in that scene where we we kind of all talked about with the like the you know the song and the, like the throwing the chair and mm-hmm. stuff like that. She is in that moment so conflicted about like what is happening and she shows all of that stuff on her yeah, face and in her sure. body language that when like it continues to go bad. Nothing is interesting or surprising because she's been like the growth has been there, but the movie, like you said, narratively just kind of is like, oh, and then this happened. You're like, who cares? Oh, and then this happened because like throwing a chair at her is fresh and new. And then nothing in the new movie in like the second half of the movie is fresh or a new humiliation anymore. It's all the same humiliation over and over and and over again. And that's that's the one thing I really appreciate about, you know, Kaylee Spani's performance is the fact that, like, where there's not nuance, where there's not, like, a digging into why she stays, she's trying to find it. No, you're right. And, like, that's the one thing that made me go, like, yeah, this is a, a movie that's amazing and then falls off a cliff. But I'll still, yeah. but I'll still rate decently high middle is because of the fact that like she is sisyphusing that stuff and pushing it up that hill, <laughs> you know? Yeah, she really is. Like she, she is, is, she is, she's and, and doing he's, her and, and he is too. And and, and that's the thing. Like her, the, yeah. the chemistry, like 
it's an anti-chemistry, obviously, between the two. But the chemistry that those two actors have in terms well, of... Well, it was both because it, it, like, flipped as it goes. And, well, it, and it, it, it definitely it worked. Yeah, there's no romantic chemistry there. No, but I, I, what I'm saying is, like, acting chemistry between those two. Yeah, mm-hmm. The sure. fact that those two are taking this film, which kind of, like, putters out of energy. It's, you know, a, it's a Bel Air on an empty tank. I don't know... Why I came up with that White reference? Belly. It is. Why not? <laughs> well, I think of a big tanky car that's run oh, out of okay. run out of sputtering to its end. Vehicle. No, no. Okay. Does no, she the, drive the a Bel Air off the property at the no, end? No, it's, I think it's a, it's a Chevy though. Is it a Chevy? I think it is a Chevy. No, we should look into that because um, that might be an amazing metaphor. <laughs> but like those those two work so well to, together as actors in yeah. terms of like being complementary and pushing and pulling and you know those two have a really good dance with their performances Mm -hmm. like in terms of like a mutual synergistic sort of performance like that's one of the best i've seen in the last few years i agree and it was just but that's why like that's the only thing that kept me in in that movie was just those two acting off each other and the problem is like the second half they're they're apart so much and that's why yeah and i think that might be a bit a big part of it is the fact that like in that first the energy is like all down yeah yeah like when they're like together in the bed like you know, like they're when they're doing the Polaroids, when they're doing the Polaroids, and like just finally like, having sex and whatnot. Yeah. You kind of it's it's like yeah, fun and whatnot, but like there's a weirdness to it, and it's like magnetic because those two are mag are, are magnetized to, to each other. Know yeah. how to pull that off? It's one of those to, things where know she how to like make make it like neat, cutish, yep. but also uncomfortable. But yeah. it's also like to that exact point, which pisses me off. When they're, they're ten years younger, they're than around each other the entire time. And it doesn't seem like one of those things where they're being forced together by the script. It seems like they would just be together. Yeah. And that she's less than for a while when she's not with him. And he is, like, he portrays that I'm less, like, human. I'm less good when I'm with Anne Margaret than I am with you. And that's why he keeps her around. Well, the thing that I find... So that's the thing. But for her period, like... Well, that's that's true. But the thing that I found so interesting in this movie is that the script like the direction like the way the story goes wants us to say that eventually there was a turn where Priscilla became her own person but the story fails to show us that yeah, mm. they kind of yeah, just do right. very base easy stuff like oh she started doing yoga and like becoming her own person and then fucking a karate instructor and, and so it's we've like, all what? been there <laughs> oh man Havri Hans I miss you um anyhow <laughs> this is just the Bruce Lee, Dragon, the Bruce Lee. But it, it fails to do that in any sort of impactful way. Yeah. But it ends up work. It ends up succeeding, in spite of, in spite of the script, because of the fact that the dominance that Kaylee Spanny shows right. and kind of like the, you know, pulling back and the um, it never becomes the meekness that Ellerdy shows. Like it. it Despite, like, despite the words being said not working, the way in which they are read ends up working. It yeah, never becomes a bad movie for me. It's because of because of the lack exactly, of, physicality of, of, of spark. The stuff that really works in the beginning, the aesthetic stuff, doesn't work as well at the end. The, it's the the narrative becomes rote and cyclical. The aesthetic becomes rote and cyclical as well. They're not feeding off of each other anymore. It's just a couple of things happening in synchronicity or in parallel. 
and never kind of never coming together and never co and like and and refusing that's, that's to coalesce anymore. Yeah, that's, what's, that's what's yeah. resolving, and that's what becomes frustrating about the film because like the two of us like had a difficult like we walked down to the bar afterwards and like we're like kind of like talking about it. Mm-hmm. We're having a difficulty with it because of the fact that I think you know the direction and the script kind of fall off a cliff halfway through, but their performances. It also makes me don't. mad because it could have. This could have. It could have been. Maybe, but that's the thing. Maybe it couldn't have been. I don't Maybe, know. like, the nature of Priscilla Presley's life didn't lend itself all to it. It demands. It, demands um, it doesn't have, a, it doesn't have it would, an it internal. Need, um, it doesn't have an internal engine past a certain point. Maybe what's the word? Some stuff, but or yeah, what's the word? Embellishment. It needs yeah. embellishment to have worked. Yeah, I guess like so. Like Diana Naya did. Maybe it was. A, yeah, like. <laughs> I did swim it. I did. We promise, even though you know one saw it. Um, Forty people saw it. Do any of them matter? Nah. No, but I did. And then we murdered the captain of that boat. That's right. That's my conspiracy theory hot take. They <laughs> killed. Didn't actually have cancer? They killed. No, he died of heart failure. He didn't even die of cancer. No, I didn't even see that they part. killed John Bartlett. Allegedly. I love that Wait, movie. Can I get sued if I say allegedly? I'm sick. Ah. Oh. I can't Hug. get I can't get sued if I say I, allegedly I, I, emotions. I, I, I cried. I'm sorry. I did. I'm a, I'm a fucking. This you guy, are a softy man. This guy likes champions. I also like champions. They literally, though. literally could have. Did you said ever see the, champions? Yeah, it was okay. Yeah, it's it's. I've actually. I've come, I've come to the opposite end of the pole with Woody Harrelson. No good. You're mm. wrong. I don't think he's very good. You're wrong. He's like a. He's got like a. Unless he's in the right movie, he's got like one thing that he does, and I don't like. I mean, he's the right person to work off of because, yeah, like, maybe. him in True Detective season one yeah. works. See, but this oh, is shit. This is where I got to. Is True that Detective been, season four is gonna have to be decent. I've been right? rewatching True Detective season one, and he really stinks. Nothing. But I've maybe watched it like maybe ten times. Is yeah, too many say, times. Like, maybe maybe you've seen it too many times. But Matthew McConaughey keeps renewing himself. Whereas every line Woody Harrelson delivers about his family is ridiculous. You know, watch. You know, I've watched three how, times since how do since we. You know, I've watched three. Times I know it feels. Years. It feels weird to say. Speaking of watching two things too many times, I've watched Portrait of Lady on Fire three times since we last podcasted. Wow, it feels like a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I'm up to like forty. I've probably watched Blackberry like two times. So. I've watched Blackberry zero times. <laughs> I bought it. I'm just watching the shit out of it. Have you not watched Blackberry? No, I mean, since we podcasted. Oh. I thought that's what we were talking about. I was like, wait, you you did a review of it. Did you think the... The um, the Blackberry uh, miniseries on AMC Plus as of today. I don't have AMC Plus. I'm not going to say. I'm not going to watch it. Because they recut it into a three-episode miniseries for Terrific. And added 20 minutes of... And I wanted... Emmy nominee Blackberry, just like Emmy nominee Prey. (laughs) Yeah. Um, let's take a break and then yeah. we'll come back and talk yeah, about our yeah. final movie. I'm interested. Killers of the Flower Moon. Second most interested I am in a review. The other one I have to wait for two weeks. It's real complicated. Sometimes you got to do one thing even though you mean to do another thing. But I'm not in any kind of trouble at all. None at all. Killers of the Flower Moon is the best movie of the year. My wife he likes her nice things, so not as much as you do. You're picking a fight with the wrong person. If you're gonna make trouble, make it big. You gotta just, you gotta tell me what you don't know. All of it, what you tell me. I told them all of it. All of it? 
Killers of the Flower Moon is. Oh, you want to do it? You want me to do it? There's a new movie by Martin Scorsese. Um, It's based on the uh, nonfiction book, Killers of the Flower Moon. Which Uh, I've never read, do you? Yeah, it's really good. By David Grant. By David Grant. Uh, it's written by Eric Roth and Martin Scorsese. Um, cinematography by Rodrigo uh, Prieto, who is you, he's worked with a lot in the um, you know the this era of, of his um, career. Robbie Robinson's last score. Yep, Thelma Schumacher um, is editing the film. Um, it is, I mean, nominally, just from like because the book you asked about the book before the book doesn't really have like a, a a story per se. There are characters here. Molly is a big character. Ernest is a big character. William Harrell is a big character. He reveals the nature of those characters late um, in the book. Uh, Tom White, played by Jesse Plemons in this movie, is uh, a much bigger character because the book really focuses on the idea that investigating these murders. Um, on the Osage Reservation in Oklahoma in the 20s was really the birth of the FBI. Yeah, it's so the, it's a the two... Book's, the book's more like about the... It's about like both. It's like splits the difference. It's about the I, murders, but it's also about like how the murders created the impetus well, for the FBI. Some, you know, through line... Or not through line. I keep using that word. Um, some background for this is originally this film was set up to be a... You know, apparently the re- Thomas White character, the Tom White character was the lead. It was going to be played by DiCaprio. It was going to be about like the founding of the FBI and like it was going to be much more murder. of a thriller. Yeah, yeah. And then when he talked, when Scorsese talked to the Osage people, they were like, "Hey, how about we make this about us?" And that's where you know there right. was the, the shift in, so in the dynamic. DiCaprio plays um, Ernest Burkhart, who eventually marries um, Molly Kyle, played by Lily Gladstone. Um, Ernest Burkhart is the nephew to William King Hale, uh, played by Robert De Niro. Um, he is uh, like a cattle. Uh, he owns a lot of cattle, but he also owns a lot of land uh, and property. Um, and he is a, a friend of the Osage um, while simultaneously plotting to murder all of them behind their backs. So The, o- he the Osage would have- people being uh, a Native American tribe in Oklahoma who... Just happened to Got be on land and onto had, a, onto had, a on reservation that, that was full so of oil. So happened to have yeah. a ton of oil. Um, this um, movie. They were the some of the richest people. They were the capita? richest people in the uh, some of the rich people in the world. Yeah, um, the time. World. Yeah. yeah. Um, this. I mean, we'll kind of go through as we talk about this, like who plays who and who does doing a good job and who is I mean, Brendan Fraser. Three and a half hour um, movie, so we got a lot to dig into here. It is Jesse Plemons, like as I mentioned, kind of comes in like not even halfway through the movie, like maybe like two thirds of the way through the movie. And I think doesn't have to do a lot, but I think is really great. Um, you know, you have like some kind of cameos in here with like Sturgill Simpson and Pete Yorn and uh, Jack Brennan, White's there Brennan at the end Frazier. of it. Oh, yeah. That's but really you also Jack get, White. Yeah. That but you also get great actor. like character actors. Jason Isbell is, oh. plays a pretty big role yeah. um, as Bill Smith in this. Pat Healy shows up eventually. Um, um, Tatanka Means, who's always who's like an actor who you like 
I'm sure if you've seen him, you'd be like, oh, yeah, I've seen him in movies. Um, he shows up as an FBI agent. So this Martin Scorsese is doing Martin Scorsese things here. He's bringing this, like, really wide cast together listen, to do this thing. Really quickly, Jason, like, Jason, yeah. I didn't realize Jason Isbell was Bill Smith. Yeah. Like, he's naturally a pretty solid actor. He's pretty good. Yeah. He's yeah. just yeah. using a bunch of I just musicians thought, in this Which movie. he always did. He always put yeah. these people in these thought, movies. I thought Jason, I knew Jason Isbell was in this. I didn't realize he was that big of a role in this. Yeah. And he just feels like a character actor. He seems like he belongs in this yeah, world. Yeah, he fit. Um, I... Let's let's just go in a circle real quick and like tell us what we think and then we maybe we can break it down. Although we always end up like getting off track and kind of doing other things. Um, yeah, let's let's all say like in a few words what we think of this movie overall. I thought it was incredibly um, a powerful movie. I kind of can't wait to see it again. I'm definitely not going to go see it in theaters again. Um, I'll watch it on 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 um, Apple TV when it comes out. Um, I was never bored for one second. I thought it was three and a half hours. That didn't fly by, but I was deeply, deeply, deeply engrossed in the action and and what was happening in this movie. Leonardo DiCaprio is doing probably his best work, even though it doesn't like. It's definitely something he hasn't done before. It's he's really deep inside of this character. Lily Gladstone is owns every single it, yeah. scene that it, she's fucking it, in. It's her movie. She's and Robert. She's, it's it's over, right? Like I, well, that's what I said a couple weeks ago before this movie came out, and you were like, "No way, Emma Stone!" And I was just like, "I'm pretty sure they're gonna find it impossible not to give her this yeah. award." Um, I mean, I still have to see poor things. We haven't seen poor, right? Like but poor things I've heard. She is a fucking magnet. Even when she's not doing anything, she's doing literally everything. Um, and then the other, I mean, the, I mean, the the third person in this triumvirate of characters is <laughs> Robert De Niro. Uh. I guess he's fine. Uh. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's not doing. He's not. So we're all on the same page. He's not. Yeah, this so. is literally just. Uh, he's not bad, right? But he's just. No, he's, 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 good. he's just being no, he's, Robert De Niro. He's bad. Like, I think he's old bad. Robert De Niro. I think he's just being. I think he's boring. He's just doing and a caricature. I just kind uh, of this is. I thought he was going to do something really exceptional, and he was just kind of doing what. It's lazy. He's he's just being him. He's just he's, being himself. Yeah, and in any Scorsese and movie, it's and yeah. it's 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 selling the role in the way that it needs to get sold, it's but it's a, not transcending it's anything. A smarmy, in a, like crime lord, and right? Like it's it's doing. just there's somebody there is somebody better, but but there. Um, one of yeah, one of you go so easily. Uh, the best Scorsese film since Silence. Then um, one of my top five Scorsese films of all time. Yeah. Um, I know we're going to talk to Andy. We'll talk to Andy <laughs> over here. A second. Someday we'll um, talk to me. We're going to talk to Andy. No, I was never bored for this movie. There's, there's, there's nothing in this film I looked at. Like, you know, what, 200 and... There's six minutes, no fat. six minutes long. None. Uh, no fat. There's some fat. It feels like... I don't think so. Oh, well, that's where we're going to get into it. It feels like... It does feel like two different films. Like, it does feel like it there's should the... be two different movies. It does feel like the FBI, <clears throat> FBI movie. It feels like that kind of, like, Tom White film mixed with, like, that that change. But... Yep. It's I'm so, writing it down. I'm writing it down so to talk about later. seamlessly blended for me yep. together that it feels like one cohesive narrative. Yep. And I was always stuck in it. Uh, the only thing that doesn't work for me, uh, you know, Willie Gladstone's amazing. This is DiCaprio's best work by far. 
Um, and I'm a Revenant guy. Like I love the Revenant. Don't think he's Ditto. one for the Revenant, but I love the Revenant. I, this is his yeah. best work. And he's on a little bit on a roll. I mean, with like you know, one we can disagree a little bit about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Don't he's, look up. No, but he's great in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. He's fantastic. Um, no, and no, so sure, he's doing like he also has Don't Look Up. <laughs> right, but he's doing like between Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and this. Well, he's, this is what he's had once upon a time. Don't look up and this. And right? this, That's, but what I'm saying yeah. is that he's escalating. Yeah. So like between the Revenant, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and this, and the he's vulner- gone like ba ba ba. The vulnerability in, to just play just a incredible. fucking idiot in this, right. is amazing. Right. Um, no, this is it is so tightly controlled, so utterly like. Interesting in the fact that there's micro films that exist in it, yep. um, in, as they do in all Martin, Martin Scorsese movies. But they but it works. It, it works, works on an extreme level. Um, Molly's what was what was the name? The Molly's ex husband, um, the one that suffers from depression, oh, melancholy. Yeah, um, uh, William Henry Roan. Henry 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 Roan. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, uh, it's, yeah. it's Henry Roan. Yeah, yeah, William William Ballou. Just that fucking micro movie that exists with him. Incredible is incredible. This is. Easily a top three film of the year. A top three. Movie I just of the couldn't year for wait me. to. Um, I'm gonna let's kick it to Andy in a second. I literally just cannot wait to see what like they were gonna do next with with this movie. And um, I and I went into this knowing I was gonna fucking hate it. Like I hate, 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 hate. Despise the Irishman. Me too. Like the more I get away, and you from watched it, it a lot of times. Yeah, to try to find <laughs> out, to try to find out why I was wrong. We weren't wrong. We Everyone weren't else wrong. is wrong. Yeah, and and I watched this Did one. Like I went. We, we talked about this because we were going into it. and I was like, I don't want to do. I I told you I don't want. Yeah, we talked. Andy, he, he's like, I don't want to do this. Talk me out of doing this. I don't want to go. And where it's like we have to do it, and then I left that movie just going like that was a like score. That's a fucking experience. Yeah. It is. It's that's a movie it that has to be seen in theaters too. Like, yeah, well, there's a lot of people so... that aren't, and that's that is a problem. And and I get why. People, let's let's yeah, put it over here. I, I, I get why people don't want to because three and a half hours is a long time to sit down and watch a movie. I really wish we could bring back an intermission because I would. I think that would actually bring people into watching this movie more. I agree. This um, this could use an intermission. Yeah, just just because. I, I okay, so I love this movie. It, this is a top ten movie for me. Like mm-hmm. it is. I do have criticisms of it, but well, I remember you just you were conflicted for a long time. Yeah, just it's it's so fucking long. <laughs> like we don't movies should not be this long. Oh boy, you're gonna watch Occupied City and yeah, <laughs> I I mean, so I'm a long movie guy. Like I as long as the movie is good, I've got no problem. Like just I mean falling inside of. Like Janine, um, this felt at least Gilman, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. This felt like it could be two movies because it did. There was a tone shift when like Jesse Plemons shows up and it does. There's a tone shift. See, I don't think there's a tone shift as much as I think there's a momentum shift. Maybe, and I he, mean, he brings. He, well, I'm, Jesse Plemons is one of my favorite actors, lo- actors and right he's now. fucking. So, I was really conflicted in this, and so he's power not shift. Oh, absolutely, and he fucking. Owns the scenes that he's in. He owns those scenes. When is Jesse Plemons going to show up in this movie? But wasn't that? Didn't you like that? No, I I did. But I was waiting for it the whole time. I was too. And then every time they kept not doing it, I was like, "Fucking good, good for them that he they've decided to not kind of cross cut this." They're just like all of a sudden he's here, and they didn't kind of like they didn't tease him. 
they're just like he's here and he's fucking talking to Ernest. That's he, the first interaction is like, and he knows because we've seen that guy like in the various places. You know the I, we know that he's on to them like fucking immediately, immediately. You know, yeah. and, and he Every, owns. That. I love that scene. Oh, I yeah, love that too because you know what? You know what reminded me of Randall Flag. He's just this force. Like, from the like just comes out of nowhere, just, yeah. and he's like, oh, I'm an ex-Texas Ranger, and now I work for the Bureau. And but just, just, just like, yeah, you do. But he's like yeah, you do. fucking supernatural force. Like, that's how it's presented. I like, he it. is yeah. outside I mean, of I, everything. I love yep. that guy so much. And he is. I mean, that's what it is. Yeah. But and again, that's, and, that's, that's, and that's the way to present it narratively. And it, but it, I, I think another director would have cross-cut. Jay would have cross cut like him getting information and him having feelings and trying to get like to the like into what his family life is like and like all this other stuff and they're just like nope he here just he is shows up at the door it just it, he did breathe new life into the movie because we're like an hour hour and a half in till he shows up it might be no, two, two hours, hours. Yeah. two hours in and then because I was starting to get tired and then well because Molly he shows up on screen I'm like well, oh, I'm Molly's up. I'm up Molly's like at her deathbed at this point yeah, yeah, like yeah. she's being slowly Could, poisoned. Because we're, lo- we're losing her energy because she's barely present because she's... Yeah. See, I, and then he that. shows up just with that hat and just like fucking... Yeah. And his face and his let, let's, tallness. Let's kick some ass Woo. right now. Love it. I, lo- I yeah. love his presence. It, I just love everything I just him. think this movie is... This movie did literally... So I thought Priscilla did everything right for an hour. This movie did everything right for two and a half hours. And then Brendan Fraser comes on screen and he is... Fucking god awful. Yeah, the, and the, that was the, the court was court stuff. That was the one mistake. Was it's kind of but he's like so bad. His line readings are so bad. But uh, like, I think he was uh, a good uh, choice to to, 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 to give to give John Lithgow those doing good work. So like, it's at least balanced out. Uh, I don't know. It I doesn't know ruin the, them. Are they either really? Either you know, really I think fit. I no. I think I think Lithgow's good. Oh, oh. Lithgow is good. I mean, the Brandon Fraser stuff doesn't ruin the movie for me, but it's the one thing that stands out is like this is not fitting in with yeah. everything else. That's everyone else is making the absolute perfect acting choice in this yeah. in the context. You, you, you've read the book, right? Yeah, yeah. Is yeah. all the court stuff in the book? Yeah. He said there, there's actually Apple because everyone's like beating the shit out of Brendan Fraser. Apple actually put a thing on Instagram of a highlighted section of the not, book. I, I don't mind that Fraser. show it like just, he says the court stuff like it's almost like Oppenheimer. What's all this court stuff? Well, we I think it's, it's really important I think in the sense that he's well, Ernest needs to kind of be confronted with, but it's so long. And see, and see, that's that's actually an interesting point to get into. Um, the Oppenheimer versus this. Oh, this like, is better than Oppenheimer. But like the energy that it carries, because like both of those movies have third act, third Problems. actish twists. No, I'm, no, I don't think there's a problem. I don't, I don't see a problem with this movie. I don't. I, like I see, I see the Brendan Fraser thing not working so well, but at the very least, the physicality of Brendan Fraser, like being that's what this I mean. Tubby, he's big dude. He's right aesthetically. Like, he aesthetically, just is not. He's just not, not nailing, nailing it, it. But his aesthetic works well enough for me to be like, I buy into it, and I'm okay with it because he's surrounded by, you know, uh, this lanky, chubby, goofy, basically yeah. DiCaprio, and this. You know, very stoic Lithgow performance mixed with it. And, you know, Lily Gladstone is, like, healing and, like, also trying to be, like, the moral through line of, like, hey, Ernest, like, 
fucking come back to the right side. But I also um, think that final scene. Was I mean, the, the, only, the only, like I said, the only thing that doesn't work for me in terms of performances in this is is De Niro, because De Niro, I feel like, is sleepwalking through this. Yeah, but I also feel like he's. Feel- I don't think he I is think sleepwalking. I don't think he's sleepwalking. He's bringing a different energy to this than he's, anyone else's, and it he's feels- bringing the wrong generation of it. He's bringing. It's too Jimmy from. It's too. Good it's a night. It's a hundred percent good fellows. He's doing. The I don't same. feel like he's making any choices. I feel well, like no, he's so just. He understands his character. He knows he's delivering he, the lines the way he's supposed the to. Role so, that he's right. The Here's probably my uneducated guess of what's happening here. Is there was that new Hollywood twist when Easy Rider came out, where yep. there was a more naturalistic sort of performance, mm-hmm. and we're back into that mm-hmm. of naturalism of being like living that character. De Niro kind of popped up and became like De Niro has you know Raging Bull, which by the way I have a top ten best actor performances after I, I ranked them. Oh, um, I want to want you to hear them after oh, the podcast. Okay. Um, but he doesn't live in it. He's 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 an actor, right? He's he's a performer. He is, is yeah. Is, Raging Bull is, he did is, a little bit, but yeah, he is playing a role. Mm-hmm. Whereas this movie has a lot of like living of you know DiCaprio is Ernest. Lily has has Molly. Um, I mean, I think know, those, those are like those, the, those, those, those are the two, two that matter. Scott Shepard um, has um, not Scott Shepard. The the other brother is it Brian. Brian. What's right? his name? Uh, no, it's Scott, Scott Shepard. Yeah, yeah. Like those are they're living in their roles, mm-hmm. and so I think De Niro stands out because he's acting because he's playing a character. Whereas these other people kind of feel like they're they are that person. Yeah, they're they're living it. Yeah, so I don't I don't think the Nero's I, I I say sleepwalking through it because I don't think the Nero was able to. Meet I don't think them. it blends. I don't in think he's with able. Everyone. Yeah, he's yeah. he's able to meet everyone else where they are. Everyone else seems to be living in this world. You're right. Everyone else seems, and I'm thinking of the like the doctors now. I'm thinking about like that guy Kelsey. Um, Everyone else seems to be inhabiting a space in this universe. Was it and the, he, the the um? What when what's even Paul, like the the, the one there, FBI like Native American? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Is that Paul? Is that that's Paul no, that's Reagan? um, um, Tatanka means. Yeah, yeah, but but when they're doing like that city council thing and everyone's mad about people being murdered and he's just sitting there like looking like a rice snake. And then everyone's like, he's like, oh yeah, we gotta find the guys that are doing all of this. Yeah. Just, I feel like I'm criticizing this movie. I love this movie, but I feel like you guys are getting too too like. There, there's there's Kirk there are Simpson it, played Henry. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. He's so, so good. There, there are issues with this movie. Like there, there's some characters that don't make sense. Um, like well, tell us. Like Lily Gladstone, not caring about Ernest killing her sister, but finally getting mad when she finds out he was poisoning her. Like. There's like there's some choices that feel off because well so I think that I think the idea of and this is really interesting I think the idea of choice is really significant because I think she she seems to know that there's something going on the whole time and I think she believes for whatever reason and maybe like she understands that he wasn't making any decisions then he was kind of like being put on by like his uncle to kind of do all these things but then with the poisoning, it seemed like she understood that he was making a choice to continue giving it to her when it wasn't working. Um, 
And so that stuff, I didn't push up that hard against those things because I do feel like their relationship seemed, for all the bad that he did, he did he's clearly so a very, he's, he's like, clearly an idiot though. And he also seemed to really love her a lot in a way that like Bill Smith did not love Minnie or Rita the way that like a lot of the white husbands didn't love their Native American uh, wives. Agreed. And that, that also bothered me. Like, why are all these rich women marrying these fucking morons? Like, they they never really explained that. Like, is it like an assimilation thing? Is it like... I think uh, it might be an assimilation uh, thing. I wonder if the Henry Roan character because is... Because they never explained it. And that's what, it bothered me because I, I just kept thinking about yeah. it. Like, well, why, why are they doing this? Well, I think what works for me with that is the fact that um, early on we see established that there's a lot of grifters amongst the Osage people, right? Like overcharging for photographs and whatnot. So they still are treating these um, the Native well, those Americans. Are white, those are white people. Oh, yeah. White guys, yeah. yeah, no, they are. But they're treating the Native Americans as second-class citizens. But then why would they aren't... marry white guys? That's what. That's the problem. Well, because the the idea is the way I took it was the idea is. We can finally be treated as people because even though they're wealthy, they have this land ownership, they're still being treated as though they are ignorant. They don't have the same base of knowledge. They don't have the same ability to be people. But they're marrying dumb dudes. Yeah, but they're not like. Yeah, but they're marrying dumb dudes. I mean, and the thought process. The that I, have, like, I mean, I mean, I don't, I don't actually know the history of it. Like, yeah, I don't is, either. But the thing I got from but it, that, but, but the, the thing I got, is, the thing oh, I got yeah. from that was that they are doing that so that they can have some sort of legitimacy to being human beings. Well, they kind of talk about that in the, America. In the very first scene, they, they there's that ceremony, and they're like, "We're gonna live like the white people now." Sure. And that's you know they're gonna they're burying that pipe. And I think there is, there was, and I have to go back and like dig into the books a little bit because I'm sure it's in there. Um, there was a in in uh, a value placed on being white, kind of like you said. So marrying white people got you closer to being got you closer to being white. I I, I get that. I, well, just, I don't think the movie like. Showed that, or but it does. It so does. That's it a, absolutely does, though, because like, what is the, one of the last things said by Mar- What's what does Martin Scorsese explicitly say as the announcer at the end? Was he reads off um, Molly's like obituary and says like none of like what these white men did to them is even mentioned? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. Like it's then why would they marry? That's what I'm saying. It, it didn't. It didn't because they had didn't have a. They're rich. They don't have a. Cho- they still have a choice. They they get out. They have, you have as much. You have as much money as you want, but you're not a. There's still, like, yeah. There's person. a there's a lot of and stuff. that's the entire thing that like makes sense in the beginning of that I, movie. I disagree. Is, I don't think that's that was proving that. I think I think it does though. Yeah, I don't. I think the way that he's decided to tell the story is is. And, and I think this is one of the things I kind of applaud him for as he's gotten older. And I think one of the things I think the Irishman failed at, which Silence did not fail at, which is that he's no longer really interested in like holding anybody's and like he's not interested in. Well, have you seen Have you seen Silence really quick? No, yeah. he's not interested in telling anybody any or showing anybody anything. He's giving you just enough information that if you if you sit inside the movie, like you don't worry about like the. 
how like the ends meet as much the narrative ends meet as much as like as as long as the emotional ends land. So she she did a lot of Native American women did marry white people, and that just happened. Mm-hmm. And so he's not super concerned with people understanding why that no, happened. No, he, yes, it he just, is. I no, no, but I, no. It's all. What I'm saying is that it's all in there. But he's not interested in having like an exposition dump where she's oh, saying no. like this is why I did this. No, it's nuanced though because like it's the same things happening in silence. Like, that's all. That's all I'm saying thing, is that like, like this the, movie. This yes. movie and silence are like companion pieces to me. And I don't know if you agree with that. But, like it's, yeah, they're it's, doing it's, different it's, things. But it's different it's, things. Yeah. But it's it's white people, developed people, kind of like being intrusions into a different culture, and a lot of the things understated and. Way differently for the white people. <laughs> yeah. But the thing kind of, I think, kind of unspoken in this movie is the politics of it. Is the fact that, yes, reestablish the fact that they have, you know, the Osage people have wealth and whatnot. But, like, when we introduce, um, when, like, we introduce them after, you know, that, that kind of, like, setting scene... The white people drag racing down the street. The white people are kind of still feeling like they're in control of the situation, because even they, though they don't have the money. They are in control of the situation, yeah. even though they don't have the money. And the thing is, is like they're marrying white men because of the fact that they're. I took from it because they're going for agency. Well, so if you want, and then you can also look at, so this is our articulated. And, and, and it's played into like the fact of like when they're talking in Osage and they're just making fun of their husbands. Yeah. And they, calling them like fucking morons. This is articulated. they have to do it. This is articulated really well in the very beginning of the book in the sense that like um, Molly was actually um, a outsider in the Osage reservation because she still wore traditional Native American Osage blankets. She um, did not cut her hair like her sisters did. She uh, wore it down. Um, She was an outsider because the goal of Osage women was to be as white as you possibly could while still being Osage. Let's talk about how fucked up it is. She, Molly Kyle, who's a real person, Mm -hmm. I assume, right? Yeah. Doesn't doesn't have a Wikipedia article. Yeah, Ernest does. Well, Lee Ernest is a fucking serial killer. And Thomas White does. But, like, you think... I don't know. I mean... In you could take White care of that. Did, yeah. It's the People's one. Encyclopedia. But Thomas White founded, like, the FBI, didn't he, or whatever? Or did well, he, one of know, the founding it's, it's, members it's, of the FBI? It just speaks to what I'm saying about the film. is is the fact that they're still... Like, I think... Scorsese is not trying to th- so throw that in your face, but he's trying to like tenderly say like the reason they're marrying white men is because they're trying to become people, and they're hoping their their, f- their well, future generations will become. You were here, more... but I said, is this for assimilation or for something else? And it, no, I, I, I think heard it that. might be more assimilation than anything, which I get. I don't, does, I don't think I don't think it's necessarily assimilation. I mean, they, obviously that is what was going to happen. But the idea was just like we have this money, but we're still not seen as equals. But what also, can we do to do that? Also, like, the problem that? is like when you keep seeing everyone, all your your sisters and your everyone getting murdered around you. Why do you keep signing over well, your 
stuff. Like I don't know. It just. Well, it, I, I mean, don't know. I mean, it, I mean, it plays like a, a love is blind. I know blind it's a real story. It plays it a just, love is blind sort of thing, right? Just, like you would not expect. You would say maybe something bad is going on, but like, and I think it does a good job of establish like because I think this film does a really good job of establishing that you yourself, like, I myself as a viewer, am questioning like is Ernest. Ernest wants money off of it. He's at the hands of of, of, King of Hale. Bill Hale, um, but does he love Molly? And it's and it's. I'm it, still it, it, it at makes the end of the day. Yeah. I don't know if he actually no, did. No, no, no. But I think I, think I think so, well No, but I end. think this is. I think this is the key I mean, part. He's too I, think, I think I, I'm on the fence on it. But I think I he, don't think he does. He absolutely. I think he the. I think. Absolutely, and well, you know, I think he thinks he does. I think he, no, I think he absolutely does, and I think the whole point well, if he does. He's a piece of shit. But so. that's the thing is that he's he's too he's, he's too stupid, and he's too ingrained in this life. He isn't isn't recognizing, even though they're kind of telling him, but they don't actually tell him all the way that like, as long as it doesn't affect his family, it's fine. Like it's Molly and his kids, and as long as it's not touching Molly and his kids. He's really well, okay with so whatever they want so, him to do. So, one, 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 thing, one thing I was going to say, well, he doesn't but, know he's poisoning her. But the one thing I was going to say about the yeah. book, because doesn't the book reveal that Molly and the kids were supposed to be in the house when it blew up? I don't remember that I think, from the book. I think it does. And, like, they took that... I, they they do, at least from what I've read from mm. people who have read the book, because I never got it. Right. And... Uh, um, I do find it interesting that Scorsese chose to exclude that part of it. Because, like, obviously, I kind of think the real Ernest probably didn't love her. And the real Ernest was just in it for money. Was just probably in it for the hail. Mm-hmm. Sort of get the gold sort of thing. And I do find it an interesting choice to kind of, like, present that conflict. I, it's it's interesting, I guess, if in the context of comparing the movie directly to the book... I think one of the the uh, the things that's been kind of hammered, and we kind of talked about it a little bit earlier, with like the idea that it was going to be the movie was going to be one thing, and then they change it to this other thing, is that he really wanted there he wanted to be a narrative like a he wanted there to be a drama. It wasn't going to be a whole world full of shit like pieces of garbage, and then like the Osage. It wasn't just going to be like the white people versus like the Native Americans. Um, so I think the idea of like Ernest being like this really intensely conflicting and conflicted character yeah. is probably important to the the narrative drama of the movie, where he's like making decisions that he doesn't really understand and doesn't really know that he's like what the the consequences or the context of these decisions that he's being made or that he's making are. Like I think one of the beautiful things about like Leonardo DiCaprio's performance is that he literally asked that guy to blow up his sister in law and. And, and her husband but when he sees them having been blown up he kind of can't believe it it almost doesn't seem like he thinks any of this is real until it's real and then he's like well shit like i didn't know that was going to happen and i think his performance is great because i believe the character well, yeah didn't like, really understand what was going to happen under in any of these contexts well like and, and especially especially when he like delivers the news to molly at the stairwell he seems like that's the thing, and he's he's maybe he he's a sociopath. Like he, he's, he's he's been preparing it, but he's once he sees a it, he's total like, sociopath. He was killing Osage earlier in the movie. They did that reveal that we, which was a stupid reveal, 
when he was invading the one guy's um, apartment and killing him. Because they showed it before with the mask oh, on. Oh, that, that, that was the private, private detective? detective. Yeah, 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 that guy. And it's like, he's a fucking murderer. Like, and we're supposed to empathize with this? Like, I don't, and that's a he's thing. He's a sociopath. Well, I don't think we're supposed we to don't, empathize with him. We don't necessarily know if he murdered the private detective. They no, didn't. they showed it. He took the mask. It's a later scene. They, well, he yeah, he the takes ma- the mask off. He hits him. Yeah, he, he hits him. We him. don't know if that private oh, detective I'm actually per- died. He was at least an accomplice. I'm perfectly willing to. I'm perfectly willing to allow that he he killed a bunch of people. I think that what the movie I feel well, he does is really well, thing. good at setting Besides up the, the idea detective, that he doesn't directly murder anybody. And no, we he don't even know those people. Um, yeah, he, he definitely know. knows that Byron killed Anna. But again, well, he knows he know no he knows all that. But like his hand, he's right. always kept at a yes. distance, which is why I think the private detective doesn't die. I married, think the private detective before he even gets, married Molly. He was robbing people at gunpoint. And I well, yeah, but there's but there's there's a separation from that, right? Yeah, I think it's 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 really complicated. Which is why I think the private detective just got beat up and didn't die. Well, even but even if he did die, it, it's it, in his mind, it's protecting it's protecting something. I think in his mind, he doesn't. He clearly doesn't get what at any point what anybody is saying about the head rights, ever. Yeah, like he's not. They keep telling him, and he's just like, "Oh, this got to stay in the family." He's like, mm-hmm, I, "I get it." But he's not shooting Henry in the head. He's not stabbing that guy that goes to DC. He's his hands are like kept relatively clean from it. They're they're clip, maybe not even for maybe not for the viewer, but for the viewer. They're kept clean enough for him, for the him. character, yeah, yeah, and then we were observing that, and so it's, even though we know he's the catalyst for most of this, right? And he's and he's um, he is he is, and that's where the poisoning is really important because he's actively deciding to poison her. But he also, he, but he also doesn't think he's killing her. He thinks he's making her calm. Even though he, but that's a, he but that, again, that's even why, though he, that's, that's why the that's, performance that's, is so good, is because turn, he's the at, turn of that is he knows he was poisoning her, right? And then he continues to poison her. He's doing it once he sees. Well, what and that's and that's what makes her. that's what makes that scene after the decision is laid out. Um, you know, and like she's talking to him in the courtroom, not the courtroom, but like the uh, deliberation room. Yeah, where, yeah. Where she kind of like gets like she finally sees the mask, and he has to. Pull the mask away. Where he's like, oh, yeah, no, I yeah, knew I, just, I was doing this. The um, and uh, it's it's all just like a it's just like a personal thing. Um, I just I I kind of totally bought and I, there's you know apparently been some like pushback, like in the culture about this. I I kind of bought their relationship. Like and maybe I just wanted to because I was like so invested in everything else that was happening. No, they have they have really good chemistry. Like when he's but like at the end when she's dying and she you know he's like sitting behind her and he's brushing her hair and then like they're like you know passionately like hugging each other. None of that seemed like he didn't play those things like he was forcing himself to do them to mask what he was doing to her. It seemed like he gave her her shot because for a while he thought it was insulin and was going to help her. And then he was caring for her, and they they make a big deal about this in the movie that like she talked a lot about the fact that he like was always caring for her, and like other people talked about the fact that it was weird that he cared so much about his wife and so much about his children, where most men 
most white men didn't care that much about their like Native American wives. But he Ernest seemed to be really like super dedicated to her and their family. Yeah. Um, and I think they, I think, and again, I, I just kind of re-listened to that. I, I didn't go into the movie like thinking like, oh, they said this. I'm gonna look, look out for it. I just like, I saw that on the screen. Um, well, and where everyone else is making, he's a, he's a fool, and where everyone else is making very questionable, bad, evil, um, sociopathic choices, he is like making those same choices, but seems to understand them way less. Then people like Blackie and like the Sturgill Simpson character and that Kelsey guy. Yeah. He cannot talk about what he did on the level of like those guys talking about what they did. Well, and the thing that, that makes that work, I think, is like Scorsese. Like I read or saw an interview with Scorsese where he talked about like how when Lily Gladstone and DiCaprio first met, he was like made it loose and whatnot. And so like when he says, when she says, you know, she speaks in Osage and uh, he says, "Oh, that must be Osage for handsome devil." Mm-hmm. Like that was a ad lib, mm-hmm. and so like Lily Gladstone's laugh with that was ad lib, mm-hmm. and like that does a lot of solid work of carrying like early chemistry because those two have like really incredible chemistry throughout. Mm, I, I, I think she does. I don't like. I still don't. He knew he was poisoning her. Like I don't know why we're acting like he didn't know what he was doing because he knew that the insulin was fucking altered. Like we knew, we know that he knows it. They explain it to him because he could. He they said it's gonna calm because her. Because I think the movie does a good enough job of saying he's I, I such think, a fucking idiot. Uh, yeah, and that he would he would maybe convince himself that it is not sure, poison. It's, right, it's still a that fault. it's something. It's still a fault of the movie. I just don't, I don't think it's a fault of the it, movie. It is because how's it just, a fault of the movie if I'm buying. What the movie's oh. telling me. Well, he's but he's, calling me but, stupid. But he's a sociopath. Yes, you're you're a dum dum. Dum dum. I've got three of the four jackpot questions. <laughs> <laughs> I've won our Trinity team eight hundred dollars. I love this movie, but I feel like you guys you guys aren't criticizing. There's a lot of stuff about this movie that there there. It's not a perfect movie. No, no, it's not a perfect movie. But I just. I don't think I'm sitting a, here being the devil's advocate, and you. I just want you guys to like just think about some no, because uh, but, that I, but are I think I think that you. criticism. I, I think that critic that particular criticism is answered by the fact that he is presented as such a loose dummy, basically, that he could convince himself that yeah, it's just you know Bill Hale is not li- King Hale is not lying to me. It's just something to calm her down and. Yeah, she seems sicker, but like, well, and I, think I could buy that. That's, I think, the value of of having Jason Isbell deliver like a pretty convincing performance here, where Bill Smith clearly knows what he's doing, and Leonardo DiCaprio never picks up on the fact that Bill Smith knows what he's doing. Yeah, um, and that's and that's and they they those you can juxtapose any number of other characters with Leonardo DiCaprio with Ernest's like character. And be like, he just doesn't like. He's the only one who doesn't know. Like he knows when he's when Byron says like it's time to take Anna home, and he's just like, you know, his you know he has the scowl and he's just like nodding his head really slowly. Like I guess it is. He knows what that means and he knows she's gonna die. But he doesn't. But he really. doesn't really know what it. He like he understands it, and he he's like, oh, I guess it's gonna happen. But he does not like. 
he's not like invested in it. He's not involved in it. He's not thinking like this means her head rights are going to go to somebody else. He is. It's really interesting that he's arguing against the the funeral parlor guy that like he's gouging him and he's just like oh you're basically he's basically saying like you're an osage now so like you pay osage prices and he just kind of like doesn't get why that would be even though like it's deep into the movie like and he's been married to molly for like a long time he just doesn't put these he doesn't put these things together and everyone puts them together for him like even bill smith puts it together in that scene when they're in like the house when he's like oh molly likes nice things and he's like i hear you like nice things and he's just like I guess I like nice things. Um, in the parlor. They, yeah, they and he's like, I parlor. just don't like talking to you. Yeah. Um, it's, well, it's, it's just, it's... What, it, what do we think about how it wraps up with the radio performance? It's not my favorite thing, it but I... That, it was clunky. I think it's, yeah, I, I, I agree. It's clunky, but it, it works for me. It's interesting. I wish like, it wasn't Scorsese doing it. It's so... The blase-ness of it and the suddenness of it works for me really well because of how like blase the obituary ends up being. It, like, it brushes over everything, especially like big points, but we're which already is, three and a half hours into this. So I was fine for it to wrap up that quickly, but it's like... But I think it works for me because of the fact that it brushes over so much. It, and the point in the end when Scorsese says, is well, like, I, just feel I like didn't this, mention this. This needs to... I feel like this movie should have focused more on the Osage then, if that's what he wanted to do, and it feels like he brushes over some of them a little bit more. Hmm. He doesn't develop some of their characters as much as he could have. I think it's yeah. I mean, I think that's that's, that's fair. Fair. Um, I don't. I think there's less of. I think the Osage version of this movie is less of a. Like there's less. I don't know. Less trying to forgive DiCaprio for his bullshit. No, no, I don't think he's trying to forgive anybody for anything. That's a. Th- I think he's not. I think he's again. It's he's creating a movie. He's creating a drama. So like Leonardo DiCaprio does get his like the like his comeuppance in the sense that she leaves him, and that's like really what he doesn't want her to do through like the entire movie, and she leaves without him. I thought the ending was actually really kind of interesting in the sense that like once they started. The first thing that popped into my head was like, oh, this, he's kind of showing that this has become, this story is like, uh, like serial, you know what I mean? Like a podcast. Like we think of these things now in terms of its narrative quality and not yeah. in like the actual facts of what happened. And it almost seems like he's holding himself as accountable as he's holding like, that's why, and that's why he's there. Scorsese um, is? Yeah, a little bit. Like this is the movie that I made and it's not touching on all of these things. Yeah, I agree. But I think the depth, I think the really powerful scenes in the movie are like the most powerful scene in the movie is when Lizzie dies, the mother dies. And there's that just like two minutes of silence where she sees those spirits in front of her. And then it becomes like very much like a, like a French film or like it's very European, like how he shoots that, like the middle, um, the medium shot. Um, and that, that first that shot like right in front of her where like they're off to the right there oh, I got, I got, like, compositionally Ozu, I got like an Ozu feel same that. Yeah. yeah there's this it's it's very classic it felt, it film felt very Japanese too. um like Ozu Japanese is good too yeah it's probably actually that's probably better um especially that medium shot where yeah. it's just like unadorned 
a but, lot of tall grass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just and you're right, like the staging of everybody and like where it they just are felt and stuff very like that. Ozu, um, um, a little Kurosawa, but not. That's really. the best scene. That's the best scene in the movie. And I thought you would hate that scene. I loved it, honest. and it's. And I, that, no, I love that too. And I think that I think it, I, again, and so this is. It is the moment of magical realism in the middle of the movie that is just so heavily, just so heavy at that point. It's just loaded. So heavy with like history and yeah the the weight is the one thing that gives agency to like the osage people right because like the the entire all that movie is just basically white men controlling it and to have a scene of magical realism in the middle where we kind of establish that the osage like afterlife even if it's just her brain firing out her last bits of whatever like to give There's some more agency, to yeah. but to give some agency and some control of a moment of the movie there was like perfectly placed. It was a nice breather. I also like from everything that is before and everything yep. that follows. And I also like that uh, you can like that moment. I think is mirrored in its ending, where like you get this kind of like dissertation in that radio, you know, the Prairie Home Companion thing, where they tell what happened to like the white people and to Molly, but then like. The final image is of we have to assume like oh, it felt uh, very, modern very home companion. It felt it felt more Wes Anderson than yeah. Robert yeah, Altman. Yeah. Um, there's this the final moment belongs to the Osage and like this you know and they're still here and like yeah. you know and it's you know in whatever capacity it is and like perhaps the Burkhards and the Hales still own like pieces of whatever. Um, but we're. Yeah, I think the the impetus to tell this story is to inform people about like not the Osage as a people, but like how a, like how America corrupts and then consumes itself. Um, well, absolutely. More that, so than it is about like uh, like a, a strict history of of this stuff. Um, and no. then I think Ernest represents some kind of like classic american idealism which is just like i'm gonna have fun and make money and you know well it feels like it feels very modern in the sense of like just this idiot being told by others what to do and just doing it right it's just I yeah mean, if not modern it feels timeless it feels as though it's something that is carries through regardless of what period of time you are mm-hmm. which is and i think it's great because like he's presented uh, when he's first shown, like there's a real power to his character, like when he's walking through the uh, train station. Well, yeah, and kind of like and kind of like muscling his way through, and then like you get the kind of DiCaprio, and then he essence. instantly gets reduced to nothing. Yeah, by this eighty year old dude. No, and it's I think that's great. I just, you I, could call I me King, this, King. Yeah, King. I think this is um, yeah, no, this is. It was actually his middle name. No, but like he didn't like it's. It's not pre- he when he says it. I know it felt. It feels it's just weird. like you can call me king, and because he's an idiot, he's like, "Oh, king, okay, no, I call you king." Did you guys know Ernest real Ernest Burkhart lived until I was born? He died in 1986 well, for, as a free man. Yeah, no, that is we're... wild to me. I was also alive. Um, so he was 94 years old when he died. Yeah, it talks about that in the movie. They yeah, know, no, but like, living, but. He, but it's what it is. It's insane. And so you're he, saying, so you're saying, none of us are to the reincarnation of Ernest Burkhardt. Well, thankfully. unless you believe in my idea of reincarnation. 
which is which is that we all become terrible oh no just uh, my idea of reincarnation is like you die and then eventually the universe recreates itself maybe multiple times and eventually then you're reborn because random chance will just make it happen again Mm. It just wilds me that that guy. Okay. I'm glad my parents never listened to this podcast. Could be like, oh, you're not like a super Christian. Nope. <laughs> no, but uh, yeah. He got pardoned by the goddamn governor. I will say this though. It's, yeah, it's Oklahoma. Has a hot take for the next podcast episode. Yeah. It's not my this movie top five, but it's not my number one, and it's not my number two, so far. Okay, that's not really a hot take. It's not at all. I didn't expect but it to be your number I'm one. I'm just saying. I'm just very excited about what I don't think, think it's even your number one at this point. I don't have. I don't make those distinctions. Yeah, I know. You do. Well, at the end of the year. Oh no! But like now, yeah. I just make. I'm them. just very excited about what you think about the Alexander Payne film. We'll talk about next week because this will be released a week from now. Election. We're redoing election. Oh. This guy. This guy. And the answer this, is I fucking so, hate it. Oh God, speaking, of, okay, so speaking of. So speaking of. Alexander Payne's